Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hello and welcome to the Horn One podcast. If you're enjoying the show, consider signing up for the Patreon. There you get ad-free content, early access, exclusive episodes, and monthly supporter hangouts. You can find it at patreon.com slash the Juan on Juan podcast. If you don't like the subscription-based models, there are other ways of supporting the show that are linked in the description. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode. They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus. Ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day. Knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart? Available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Gods in the sky, open up my third eye. Take a look, it's in the book, the occult book club. They will go anywhere, but take somewhere and knowledge to share with the occult book club. They will say anything from pages of old and see. Welcome back to another episode of the Occult Book Club, number 14. And today we're going to be talking about the Illuminati formula used to create an undetectable, total, mind-controlled slave. All right. Um, Are you allowed to say slave? Can we talk? 
Can we say slay? Especially in the first seven minutes, right? Listen, I think it's seven seconds, seven to fifteen seconds. But we, we remember we have an intro and all that stuff, so it won't really matter. But Thomas, you bring up a good point because I've been bleeping out certain combinations of words lately on my videos on YouTube, and I'm not doing it because I want to. I'm doing it because if the video goes up anywhere else, like Rumble or Odyssey or Rockfin, or no one's gonna listen. No one's gonna watch it so if you're on youtube crying about is this why is this censored nah, there's a black box over the screen blah, blah. subscribe to the rss feed or go check it out on rumble if you if you're catching this on youtube and it's censored welcome to youtube everybody this is what youtube is about about being censored and not being able to say whatever you want so if you want the fully uncensored version, the link to the Rumble version, fully uncensored, is in the description. I don't even know. I've gotten so many comments. Why would you censor these words? Because YouTube don't play that shit, bro. And if we get flagged and we get our channel taken away, then we can't be on YouTube. So I didn't believe it. And trust me, man. Juan, Juan told me for I don't know how long. He was like, look, man, you can't put out a documentary on adrenochrome you just can't yeah. you're not even allowed to say the word Mm-mm. i was like that's not right man because i've got i've got all the receipts here's the medical documentation here's a link to the actual study like here's everything that proves that it's not conspiracy theory and i didn't say anything salacious there was nothing over the top i didn't mention like you know Chuck E. cheese or none of that <laughs> it was just a hundred percent on the level uh you know shout out to my homies and for whatever reason they just kept banning it over and over and over. And at one point I was like, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna save it as unlisted so I can send it to people and just see, you know, how that works out. And within like 24 hours of me hitting that save button as unlisted, <laughs> it got flagged, it got banned, they take it, they took it down. I submitted, I was like, tell me what the problem is. And they linked me to- And you got a strike too, Thomas. You got a strike yeah, was, for an a- unlisted video. And right. that's why- No one even saw it. No one at any point had ever even seen the video, but the fact that someone reviewed it and then saw that it wasn't just in draft, but it was actually saved as unlisted. It was just mm-hmm. an automatic strike immediately. And I didn't, I couldn't believe it, bro. And there was no one that would listen to me wench about it. So, and this so is now why everyone listening is, is my output. Thank you. And this is why you, we, or Thomas, whatever, it was an idea, suggestion, whoever, to put out this occult decode, because at the bottom of this, you have these banned words and there's a screen share mode because again, they could potentially be screening the screen for words. That's too. how they got me a hundred percent unequivocally. I had a picture of, a vial of adrenochrome on the screen and just because it had the word there was no words there was no audio or anything at the same time it was just a picture of a vial of an actual image and that's what i got flagged for because it had the word on the screen i'm trying to yeah, i could uh, it's gonna be fun every time i say a word i can see one take a like a step and like start <laughs> writing so it's gonna be fun. like every time i want to take a break i'll just say like adrenochrome watch and he has to write it look he's gonna write it i have to yeah yeah, i have to but that's fine we have the tech point being i'm gonna go light man i know it's not fun (laughs) no 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 no. it's it's fine dude it's 100 fine you can we we're gonna go regular adrenochrome 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 and i and i have the tech to take that off in one second so for those complaining there's a rumble version there's the rss feed version check it out on there tjojp.com 
You can find my RSS feed. I always post the links in the description. I don't know if Thomas has his RSS feed set up already. I know he has a rumble and I think I'm on the way there. Kind of, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure that out. Anyways, welcome to YouTube, everybody. Also another warning this book. I don't know what Thomas made me read, but it's, <laughs> it's NSFW not suitable for work. So I'm going to say that up front. We're going to say some wild things. I like to, you know, this, this is going to be one of those episodes that is yeah, if very you're playing this for your customers and like your, your bookshop, maybe, turn us off. <laughs> maybe put the headphones on. Yeah. yeah. Turn us put off. On Katy Perry. This is not the episode to be playing out loud. I know people message me that they listen to me with their kids. That's awesome. I try to keep the language clean for everybody. And yeah, that, that's something I'll censor. Like the, the like if, if I have a guest who's overly cussing or whatever, I'll, I'll take out a whole bunch of the words. I had somebody say, they said fuck probably, I think 37 times. They said fucking like another 40 something times. So I had to censor all that out like in one other episode, but you know, I'll clean up the language. I know there's sometimes children. If it was listening. 93 total fucks, it might've been some like <laughs> magic going on, bro. Right, they could activate a portal into another dimension. But this is going to be one of those episodes that's very dark. The content material itself is degenerate. So you've been warned and it's going to be interesting to see how we even get this on YouTube. If it even makes it on there. But anyways, I'm glad we have that all out of the way If you. If, make sure to get, a, get your homunculus owner's manual. We're going to be getting into the, we're going to be getting into the homunculus. The lens, yeah. Sorry, bro. It's, it's actually just, so uh, going to get the homunculus. Is that inverted for you? It's inverted for me on my camera. It looks right for me. So homunculus owner's manual, tjojp.com. The link is on there, published by Paranoid American Comics. He also has a whole bunch of other stuff. We have the Chosen Juan. We have the Occultist Mundi. We have, you can get your subscription to Paranormality Magazine. I was on issue 26. You can find the link in the description or use promo code tjojp.com. We also have the Kickstarter 2 for issue 2 of the Chosen Juan. Links down below. And yeah, follow the show. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Yeah, join the Telegram. Join the Discord. All that stuff. What do you got to plug, Thomas? Well, I just want to mention this episode in particular was the main inspiration. And this is for Time Samplers Issue 3. Um, this is probably my favorite. I don't know, for whatever reason, man, every time I do a comic series, Issue 3 is always my favorite issue, no matter what. Maybe I'm doing it intentionally, like I'm, I'm predictive <laughs> programming myself or something. But in Issue 3 of Time Samplers, out of many things that it covers, it breaks down the research we're about to talk about. So if you already know the research, you can almost just take a look at this. Here's your memory palace. This is how to create a complete mind control slave. This this one spread in my best possible effort summarizes the entire what like 600 page book that we're about to get into. So this one two page spread is my my best way of YouTube friendly showing <laughs> what are we doing, dude? <laughs> I'm trying out new tech, bro. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so anyway, I'll I'll refer back to this once we get into this this uh aspect of it. But if you're interested at all in this, here is Time Samplers series. It's the best comic book series you'll ever read. And that is a hundred like I think it was last time we talked about this, four hundred percent your money back. If you are not a hundred percent satisfied, one <laughs> said that he personally Juan nothing bro 
Juan will, will send you four <laughs> times whatever you spend. So if you if you buy a comic book from paranoidamerican.com and you send like a hundred dollars and just say, hey, the extra you know ninety six or whatever is for you to keep, and then you don't like it, Juan has to pay you four hundred in return. You'll get these nuts. That is, That's what you'll get. This is how much Juan believes in Paranoid American as a whole. Listen, I'm already doing enough by being up here with you, so don't push <laughs> your luck, buddy. All right? But yeah, check that out, paranoidamerican.com, patreon.com slash the101podcast, patreon.com slash paranoidamerican. So, all righty. Now that we got that out of the way, ranting for nine minutes, and <laughs> you know, well, let, let me start with a question. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Fritz Springmeier before this or Cisco Wheeler? Let me ask you a question, Thomas. All right. Reverse Uno card. Do you, and yes or no, we'll get into it. Do you believe? Why do you ask? I, yes or no. Do, we'll get into the specifics, but do you believe in this stuff? Does it have to be yes or no? Yes. Why? Because just yes or no. Why? Because I want to know how you feel about it. Because I know that you're like not into the woo. I'm just messing stuff. with you. Because it's like who whoever answers the first question loses, and you just oh, lost a couple of times. Who cares? So, so what are your so yes I'm or no? I'm gonna say if if you just stopped me on the street and you held the book up and you were like, "Do you think this is true?" I'd have to say no, and I, I don't want to lose anyone before everyone starts unsubscribing, call me a shill and everything. And I I did just get my. My latest uh, Scottish Ray card in the mail today, so whatever that's worth. Yikes! But I feel that the research this is based the on Illuminati is true. confirmed. So I was a yeah, little bit late. Yeah, just just keep doing it, dude. But but I feel like the premise this book is based on. It's like someone read the actual information about MK Ultra and can, and consider too. This is written in like the mid '90s, I believe, and it was maybe the dawn of the internet. It's not like anyone was going on YouTube and watching a bunch of conspiracy videos and coming back with all this mk ultra research right so you kind of already had to be a little bit into some esoteric research to even have the type of information that fritz had when he wrote this book so with that said i think the research that he was into is 100 percent correct but he almost was like okay if this is what they were doing in the 50s and 60s and then all of the documentation just cuts out for the 70s 80s and 90s i think fritz in a way in this book fills in those gaps he's like and here's what i think happened you know in the 70s 80s and 90s now i don't know if his uh like him filling in the gaps is 100 percent <laughs> accurate but at the same time if someone came back and and they were like actually it is here's video footage and you know mm -hmm. and it's not ai because here's the ai algorithm that said that the ai wasn't ai so anyway like even if you were to show me that i'd be like okay it doesn't surprise me that our government actually did that but some of the claims are so very specific yes. and like the political value of being able to have this tape, it would be like Epstein's black book, right? Like if you had mm -hmm. any of the, the things to back some of this stuff up, you could take entire dynasties down. Well, that said, I mean, dynasties still exist, right? Bush family and Clinton family, like there's still Just got a different name. plenty of political power. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so, and then also not, you know, we have to point this out that Fritz, I think, a 10 years or 20 years after writing this and publishing this, he ends up going to jail for armed bank robbery <laughs> and tries to appeal it. And I don't know the whole, like I tried to look into it. I just didn't care enough, but I would love if we could even like get him on or talk to him. And if he wants to even hash a fraction of that out, but it, 
feels like it's either character assassination or, you know, this is the writings of somebody that was a very frustrated individual and then also committed armed bank robbery. So <laughs> with all of that in context, when you read this, it maybe makes a little bit more sense. I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at all. In fact, I'm the one that suggested this. And whenever anyone asks me, hey, what's like the craziest conspiracy theory book that you think I should read? Mm -hmm. If they've already gotten into like the Manly Palmer Hall or for maybe they're not into that. They want more of like no. the Mad, Mad Magazine, Crack Magazine, you know, Suicide Squad style. Mm -hmm. This is the book, bro. This is the one. And that's the reason that I've got, you know, time samplers almost existed as a way to take this type of research exactly and boil it down into something that's a little bit more understandable and approachable. I had never heard of Fritz. I thought I thought he had passed. I thought this was like an older book. I thought this was from. I mean, it couldn't have been that old. I know it's pretty dated. Some of the information in it. It's from. 19, I'm pretty sure it's 90s. 96, I believe. 96. There's not. There's not a lot of information either on like the actual book itself, online. But yeah, 96 from what I'm seeing, and I hadn't heard about him. And then when I had looked him up to try and get a little bit of. Of like a background on this guy there's really not a lot of information on him but we know a person right donut shout out to donut who's actually had him on before so he's a he's an actual guy born in 1955 he's 68 years old and he's in kansas i guess is where he's I at. actually just saw that there was like a gofundme that was started late last year that he had some kind of a medical issue coming out of anesthesia or something but they got like an active GoFundMe and with a bunch of comments as much as 30 days ago saying like, get better Fritz. So I don't know if it's legit. Uh, it looks like it was somewhat legit, but it's, it seems like he's still around too. Yeah. He has a shout out Fritz. Po hope you pulled through, man. Whatever's, <laughs> whatever's going on, dude. Yeah. Shout out to him. Cause I thought of even about getting, I think this is, I believe this is his website. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I believe this is, it's hard to tell, right? Like anything that comes up, Someone could just be saying that it's him. It's really yeah. hard to know exactly like what he's doing these days. So I hadn't and check check out the Wikipedia. Is an American author of conspiracy theory literature who has written a number of books claiming that a global elite who belong to satanic bloodlines are conspiring to dominate the world. He has described his goal as quote exposing the new world order agenda. Now when you said earlier about recommending stuff to people, I think Manly P. Hall, that's more like the esoteric occult magic side of it. And this you gotta is... You got to figure out where someone's at. You, Yeah, but you can't give them this book, bro. Like, to start off, you can't give them this book. Are you crazy? Maybe. No. I have. So, I have before. Oh, you degenerate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I don't know. I guess I'd be like that YMCA counselor where someone brings you their baby and they're like, hey, I heard that we can bring. And I'm just like, before you finish your sentence, I just throw them in the deep end. And just like, yeah, they figure it out. As you're like signing them up for the class, just give me one second. And you just chuck the baby into the water. Yeah, I don't think this is this is pretty heavy as far as like conspiracy stuff. And really, when I first started my whole like podcasting stuff. I was really more interested in, in the more like a, what I would consider the conspiracy cult. It's like a, like the mixture between almost kind of sort of the, not QAnon a hundred percent, right? Like I think QAnon, it's kind of, kind of dumb, right? But like that 
line of thinking. Kind of like, dumb. Wow, you're leaving you're leaving a little bit of room there for it's for it, fans, it's right? kind of retarded. All right, paranormal. It's it's, it's retarded. You don't want to lose your Patreon. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think any of my patrons are are like heavy Q people, but the concept of the elites worshiping like miscellaneous gods i can get behind that but then when they step it up to like other stuff like trump is the messiah or jfk was it jfk can kill 33 ritual with jane shelby downer no that i can get behind i like that like mystical toponymy yeah yeah that i'm cool with i you know what man i i'm being I'm fairly rational, I think, in the context of conspiracies and occult and stuff. Like, I think you believe way more bullshit than I believe. Just, <laughs> I'll just throw that out there. I think you believe a lot more, like a metric, like, like what? Ton more. Like what, bro? Like what? Uh, let's let's just let's get into that in another episode. That might be a fun little series of just all like, right. let's call out Juan and all of his bullshit. Okay. Beliefs, but, all right. But I do feel that on some of the things in this book, you might be like, okay, you know, that's obviously, you know, BS. I feel like I might be able to sell you on some of it. And like, like, I'll just throw an example, like the woodpecker grid when you're like, Oh, you know, is the woodpecker grid really real? And maybe not in the exact way that it's described here, but I, I could point to the exact research that it's based on the Israel. So, I mean, uh, in, in that regard, man, some of the wild speculation I think is, is actually justified a little bit. So as we get to it, I'm going to point those specific parts out. And I'd yeah. like to, whenever you get to something and you're like, okay, this is the part that's clearly not true. I want to like for us to both call it out and maybe <laughs> see like if either of us are swayed either way. So right off the bat, when, when I was reading this and it's a heavy read, there's one word. He, he provides you with a glossary of words that he's going to write glossary of how basic terms are used in this book. Now, before we get there, I just want to, I always go down to the sources of this book and this dude's even calling out like people he's got, I I believe addresses and a whole bunch of stuff (laughs) in this, but this dude's going hard in the paint, but this is my favorite here. So bibliography sources and let me pull it over here. So bibliography and sources and check this out, bro. So this is like, this is, you know, he, he provides stuff, but numerous professional papers, personal accounts about slaves, unpublished paperwork, tapes, interviews, therapists, books on mind control, books on associated topics such as PTSD, the mind, hypnosis, drugs, witchcraft, and the various aspects of the... So a lot of trust me bros, right? I mean, we got some stuff here, but the top... We got a little bit of a, of a trust me bros here, uh, like numerous professional. Okay, sure. Whatever. And he starts it off with the typical, right? Warning, read this before reading this book. And I think that's like a, not clickbaity, but I don't know, man. I, I One of the things that turns me off about like this sort of thing, because I've heard about like the mothers of darkness and, and all these crazy ideas and, and you're talking to the homunculus guy, right? But there's always that one little piece, even if it all sounds like BS, there's always that one little piece in the back of your mind that you go, this sounds really ridiculous. Sounds crazy. The stuff that he talks about in this book, but there's a possibility for it. There's a possibility for, and with the homunculus stuff, like we know that they're creating entities and labs without a mother or father, like synthetic embryos and all that stuff. So that's a possibility. Now, were they doing it in the 16th century or prior to that? That's up for debate. But 
in this book, when he starts to get into if, and I just want to say that he talks about moon children also in homunculus in this book, but if they're a homunculus to me, and I said this recently on a podcast, it could be as simple as a royal bloodline. And by royal bloodline, I'm talking about like strong political, political influencers, right? Like you mentioned the whatever, insert your elite family here right the 13 bloodlines the 13 bloodlines whatever them all. it's like the rizza the jizza the old dirty bastard inspector <laughs> deck you got ghost face killer, and they the and them planning the birthday of one of their heirs right by them astrologically aligning that that embryo or baby's birthday whatever that could be considered a sort of moon child that that's a ritual in itself and that's as simple as a homunculus can get. Now, obviously there's the alchemical, all this craziness, woo woo. Yes, that's part of it too. But remember, even Crowley in the 20th century wrote about this. You had Parsons also partaking in this sort of, and Parsons was a pretty smart guy from what I've read. If he, right, he was, he was pretty smart. So he was believing in this sort of stuff too. So the idea of a homunculus or moon child is as simple as aligning this family member from this royal bloodline right for it to be favorable for him later on in life whatever to be aligned to have this and then we're going to do a c-section too we're going to make sure he comes out at 333 in the morning on you know 420 or whatever it is like whatever insert whatever birthday right so now, with that said, uh, the baby does a little secret handshake on the way out of the womb. <laughs> it like slides the thumb down to the right knuckle. Right? So he he right off the bat, the first page, right near the the beginning. Warning: Read this before reading this book. If there's any chance you, the reader, have had mind control done to you, you must consider the following book to be dangerous. And I was like, hmm, this made me think, bro. I go, what if I'm? <laughs> what? Let's go, man. Let's find out if I'm going to just snap and kill him. You know what I'm saying? Like, what? I'm like, (laughs) bro, I was listening to the PDF, like, and I have this PDF reader, and I was listening to it, like, mowing the lawn, and he's going on about, like, all this craziness. I'm like, yo, am I... Am I about to like snap and just like not remember anything? Like what? Like I'm I'm like a a total mind control slave, whatever. Like, cause that's what turns me off about these sometimes stories that you have of because, dude, a child, right? A, a child, my son, he's five years old, and when I tell him, oh, let's watch a documentary about Bigfoot or aliens, or whatever, the first thing he always asks me for, where's the pictures? Like, where are they going to get him on camera? A little yeah. child. It's like, as soon as I tell him, he's like, where's the dog man? Well, because it's just old. It's just like white dudes talking to the camera for two and a half hours. It's the same thing with like the, the gold TV shows, right? Three seasons in, you're like, so how much gold have they found? You know what I'm saying? So, yes, we can listen and read these stories. And this dude said some this dude does some wild stuff in this book, like crazy stuff that you think about. Mm. And then another aspect that turns me off about it is the the names, the Grand Council of the Druid Order of the Potato yeah, well, Sacks. He doesn't make that up, man. That that one in particular that you're making fun of, which deserves <laughs> to be made fun of a little bit. I be- I'm almost positive that comes from a guy named John Todd, and John Todd was sort of a uh slightly like one generation back maybe he might have been contemporary with 
Fritz, but John Todd claimed that he was born into like one of these high level druid, you know, Illuminati bloodlines. Like his family was in the top 10. Yeah, bro. I, I got a book what? somewhere behind me of him. Um, and it's called the John Todd experience. The like an ex druid Illuminati member bro, that tells all or something was a primary source for many yeah, Czech bro. publication works against Dungeons and Trek. <laughs> So he's anti-D&D, anti-Catholic, anti-Christian rock, because he actually thinks that Christian rock is satanic, which is it just, it's a, he's a fun guy, but I'm sure he like shows up and everyone's like, the party's here, right? But uh, John Todd ends up influencing Chick Tracks, and then the Chick Tracks and John Todd combined, I would say probably influenced Fritz. I might have some of that wrong. Mm. Please, Fritz, come on so we can figure out like where all the inspiration everything came from because i i really think this particular book and i guess let's say that fritz just was summarizing a bunch of stuff let's say that all of it's real and he's, he had all the footage and all the books and he talked to the people at no point does he say like and here's what i think it's like here's what's happening based on my research and me talking to these people and i'm i'm gonna assume that when he was talking to these people it was just like whatever they say is truth and i'm gonna write it as such because there's not nowhere in the book where it's like, and so-and-so said this, but then I followed up and asked them, well, what about X, Y, and Z? And then they said, that, you know, like, it doesn't have that. It's just like, here's the 13 bloodlines. Here's where they poke you. Here's how long they keep you in the dark while they're poking you. Like, that's kind of how it, it's This is what they do to you like as they manual. dunk you in a in a bucket right. full of feces <laughs> and hold your head down as they, as they let you watch us murder somebody in front of you. Right. And we decapitate them. And then we give that to the little child that's standing there. And yeah. So, so let yeah. me ask you, since you, I mean, you just jumped in and head first. Yeah. The, the let's do it. Of feces. Let's do but, it. I mean, when someone's like, yo, have you heard this wild thing called frazzle drip where like <laughs> Hillary and, and Huma Baden like cut off a little girl's face and they mm -hmm. wear it and it's nuts. And then there's like dudes in the corners jerking off. Wow. 2020 is like Wait, the that one's new to me ever. Right. You know what I mean? That, that edition is new to me. There's a dude in the corner jerking off. Well, I, I'm, I assume so. Okay. All right. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm embellishing a little bit. I'm All right. Cool. It a little bit. All right. Nice. But I mean, when someone says that and it's like, man, frazzled, that's wild. If you've read this book first, you're just like, oh, you must be on chapter two. That's cool. Keep reading. You yeah, I mean? yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, uh, chapter whatever, <laughs> chapter 33. Oh, you're so just at the face part. <laughs> sodomy by directed energy weapons. Yeah, you haven't gotten there. Yeah, that's 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 my favorite part. That's I was like, dude, when I heard that, I was like, oh, like <laughs> I was so mind blown. I was like, what did I just? What did I just? What did I just hear? What 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 did you just say? So again, I don't know, man. I I I see your point where maybe this isn't the best book to be like, hey, are you just new? Absolutely and not. But at the same time, <laughs> I I don't know. I feel I would feel ripped off if I went like 15, 20 years into conspiracy theory research earnestly. Like you're reading about King Kill, and you get to James Shelby, and you get to you know all of these this, these different authors. And then 20 years go by, and then you're like, wait, I've never heard of a directed energy sodomy weapon? Like, Dude. where? why did no one bring this up? So you're welcome. I'm, we're letting you know that this is the book that's got kind of, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, I guess is what I'd say. It's like all yeah. the weird QAnon theories and stuff, it's, it's rehashed. And yeah. even the stuff in this book is rehashed. It, this isn't new. They're just retelling stories that kind of like have been told over the years. And I think that that aspect 
it's like where these stories started from there's definitely a connection if you go back to 1700s mm-hmm. uh probably newer but 1700s like they were doing wild stuff what was the the frederick of wherever that had the fourteen thousand pickle punks yeah. and like people were into weird weird stuff that goes way outside the range of this book so it's not just like someone turned that switch off for a hundred years and mm-hmm. then flipped it back on in 2016 right so that's that's where we're at that's where this book kind of fills that gap in they they were into weird butt stuff all along dude like from the beginning and again this is coming from the homunculus guy who read some really weird grimoires so when i'm reading didn't even know about this until paranoid american pointed it out and i didn't know about it till paranoid american brought it up i heard i heard you mention i think you had mentioned it quite a few times before i try to spread the gospel as much i i evangelize this book as much as this is not the way to spread the gospel (laughs) but i'm gonna tell you that right now so let's let's get into here i highlighted a a couple of parts out we're gonna take it in chronological order from the beginning all the way towards the end there was a lot of stuff i know he gets into like some patents towards the end he also goes on a huge huge section on what's the dude's name graham what's the he's dead now right graham oh uh yeah yeah billy graham <laughs> billy <thing>. graham <laughs> no was it billy graham yeah it was billy graham he's definitely dead yeah he's dead as fuck um so yeah yeah billy and that Graham. folds into the like the christian rock angle too i think a little bit uh, let me we'll see what i have here all right so before we get into it one of the particular words that he says quite a bit because he has this whole glossary of words how i had showed at the beginning the main one that really gets tossed around a lot a lot a lot which i'm going to read the whole definition of it because it's it's pretty important in the book and once you pick it up you'll you'll understand he uses altar a lot that's the the main if, if anything he uses a lot of the other words right councils illuminati we have satanic ritual abuse sra i'm gonna have to censor that for youtube monarch programming system multiple personality the new world order right just the, the greatest hits really but altar takes the takes the cake on this one because he uses this one the most and an altar our usage is trying to follow the programmer's usage of this word. And the programmers, I mean, yeah, we'll get there. A dis, uh, disassociate, disassociated, disassociated part of the mind which has separate a separate identity and is given cue codes by the mind control programmers to trigger that disassociated part of the mind to come. Wait. Did you just say Q codes? C C U E Q Q codes. Yeah, but if it sounds the same, it's the same thing. That's how it works. Oh, really? Okay. So disassociated part of the mind to come to the front of the mind. The alter's identity may be a gem, rock, a tape recorder, a poodle, a white kitten, a dove, a horse, or even think of itself as a person or a demon. Yeah. It all depends on its programming. An altar is different from an altar fragment in that the altar fragment is disassociated part of the mind, is a disassociated part of the mind which serves only a single purpose. The programmers will give an altar a history and ensure that shadow altars provide a full range of accessible emotions. Sometimes the distinction between altars and altar fragments is vague, but examples from the two ends of the spectrum are easy to tell apart. We use the word altar in this book to conform to what programmers programmers charts are encoding as altars. A typical main Mengele created grid. 
<laughs> would be a grid of 13 by 13 principal A coded alters, which is 169 principal alter personalities. And I want I want to read this stuff so you can get a feel as to how the book kind of gets like he starts throwing in all this lore, like this extra lore. I'm like, all right, all right. And it well, will be- so, well, well, hold on. Let's let's stop on that one because I think that's a great example of. I think there's so much specificity here where it's like there's exactly yes. you know 13 by 3 like that's the part where it's like all right man where's where was that in the bibliography is there like a footnote that says <laughs> and then here's where that no footnotes that that part's not in there but I think that if if you take it from like a symbolic standpoint which maybe it's not written that way but you're clearly getting that we're not talking about five alters or even like 20 right like I, I don't know how old some of the, the there's people a are lot listening but like the old i remember in the 80s and 90s like sally jesse Raphael and like ricky lake and and like all of the early morning talk shows all of them had at least one or two episodes with someone that had like 20 personalities and it was almost like a like a, like a game of like oh but uh sally jesse raphael has got someone that had 60 personalities yeah bro but jerry springer that dude had like 200 <laughs> you know what i mean so it's almost like the more personalities the more impressive but Regardless, we're not talking about Juan and Juan's alter ego or like Juan and like Grumpy Juan and Sad Juan and, you know, Fun Juan. Uh, oh, there's probably some fun uh, uh, mascot names in there. But anyways, uh, <laughs> Jumpin' Juan. But but once you get to like all of the different range, we're talking hundreds oh, of, yeah. of alters. Yeah. And some of them are like single use, right? Some of it's just like a ketchup packet that you tear open and you use it and you throw it away and it's just gone forever. And some self-destruct too, which is my favorite. Or maybe in this case, it's like a hoarder. Like you you use it and you just kind of throw it in the ground and it's there for the rest of your life, but it just has no use to you anymore. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. So just think it again, work, it gets, gets pretty weird. And Illuminati systems in this, again, the lure ceremonial altars will consist of three altars placed on a spinning pedestal together into triad goddesses or gods. That means that an A coded altar on some levels is actually three altars spinning together, which must be locked in place to communicate with and then rotated to communicate with the other two. Yeah. So, that, but, that, but that. so to answer, I guess, the what he's describing, which this isn't like proof that it's existing, but it's almost like imagine there's three wands right now. Like if I call up altar seven of wand, right. And you're like, and all of a sudden like nutsack. You know, <laughs> so you like, you like channel the Nick cage version of the wand altars. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's like saying like, once I can summon the Nick cage wand, now I know that like, if I make him mad, then he'll turn into, you know, a paranoid uh, I'm, American. going to be a horrible freaking uh, system of analogies. But like, yeah, he turns into like, the Quentin Tarantino Super wand. Saiyan 4, 15, like, X, 9. But, but, it's, but it's almost like it's like uh, turning into certain like channels and then sub-channels. You're like going into like yeah. a like a Sam Tripoli site and then picking which podcast you want to listen to. It's mm-hmm. like categories. So like first you get one into this mode and then you make them angry to get them into this like more specific version of that mode. And that's what he's describing here in a weird way where it's like, a system of three but just imagine if like you've got like the three heads right or like janice and it's like i can just like spin your head a little bit one way and now i get to talk to that one and if i don't want to talk to that one anymore i can spin it the other way but it's but it, he's outlining these rules where it's like i can't just be like okay i'm talking to Juan 7b let me call up Juan 493b you know what i mean like it doesn't work like that you gotta like jump in and out of like folders almost like you're going through like a computer system and 
I think that books like this and ideas like this is what turns people off to conspiracies because there is some truth in conspiracy theories. Like as far as I believe that elite people are in control. We know that there's a system, there's a hierarchy. We know that we see that throughout history, rulers, the people under them and stuff like this. Really? Are we, we're just talking about authors right now, man. We haven't even I'm just saying, bro, the... this is hard to swallow. It was a hard how, pill for me to swallow. Explain to me how it's hard to swallow, though, because because to me, when I the first time I even read this, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. It clicked and I kept going. So what because what part of having alters be, is weird because so the reason it clicks for you is because we have so much to fill in when we're thinking about these ideas that, yes, to, to the crazy person that wants to <laughs> fill in the lore of this stuff. Oh, no, what this is? Yeah, this makes but perfect see, but sense. But I'm talking about me reading this at like age 17 in the no. 90s. Stone? Online before, Stone? Yeah. Oh man, yeah. that that in okay. itself is got, that in me. itself is a way of communi- of of creating an undetectable total mind control uh, control slave. Me. If you really think about it, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> these words. No, because seriously, because these words, it's like people who watch movies. Like look at that dude who watched The Matrix. And killed his entire family because he he thought they were all after. He was getting phone calls with cryptic messages and all that stuff. Like there's literally the Matrix defense. Hold, hold on, so 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 let me let me just see if this makes it a little bit more believable. You got Nick Cage behind you, right? So if you don't went you to dare Nick disrespect Cage, Nick Cage. If we if we went to Nick Cage, and you were to just be like, I mean, this would be a dick thing to do. You know, you don't like you don't tell Jesus to just create miracles on the spot. But if you went to <laughs> Nick Cage and you were like. Hey, channel your character from Color of Space or channel your character from Once Bitten or channel your character. Yeah. Like he could do that. And mm-hmm. how many characters do you think he can channel? Probably a hundred, right? At least. Yeah, so, absolutely right. Yeah. Th- so here's a very practical way in Hollywood where some people make it their entire life's profession in creating altars and being able to jump in and out of it. And the most important part is that if you jump from one altar to the next, again, in, in, the, in like Nick Cage's world, right? If the character he was just in is like crying and angry and then he jumps into another one, that other one, it wouldn't be accurate if he was still carrying over the emotion from the first mm-hmm. one. Like he might still have tears running down his face. He might still have blood in his cheeks and like his heart rate might be elevated because those are the physiological side effects of that previous alter. The second you switch, that'll like return back to a different state or go into a new one based on the new alter. And it's, I mean, you know, that would be asking an, an, a character actor a lot to be like, okay, now give me crying. Okay, now give me laughing. You know what I mean? Like that might that might be yeah. MK Ultra on its side. But I'm I think I'm making a good case. That you are there is proof yeah. that someone can have hundreds of altars and be able to switch between them as needed. Now, that's if you intentionally are doing it because someone's paying you millions of dollars. Now imagine you're doing it because someone keeps hitting you with a cattle prod or like poking you with adrenochrome needles or something yeah go ahead and write that down 39 i, I did no no no. it's, it's <laughs> i got it's a batch thing you just type in the word and whenever boom. i talk it's just like it's a i can already hear people why even upload this if it doesn't make go to rumble check out the rss feed you won't you won't regret it so yeah no you're making an absolute great point when it comes to that but then it's like the whole unsuspecting and then you have there's been i mean there's tons of of interviews on and and particular particular ones that i'm not going to say any names but you can look up like uh, what are they called the daughters of darkness and there's various other ones that you could just listen to where it's it's just crazy it's it sounds crazy i mean it sounds crazy 
Yeah, or like, like John John Bonacci, I think Paul Bonacci, John Bonacci, Johnny Gosh, like a lot of those stories. I think Paul Bonacci and the Franklin scandal and all of that ties into this Illuminati. I don't know about that. Fritz Spring. You don't know about Franklin scandal? No, but but then it gets weird Welcome because to the next uh, episode of no, the Book Club because. It gets into people like, what's that one dude from Above Majestic where it's like, and then they took me to the moon and then they they touched my butthole in the moon on the secret space program. And then I was dumped in the streets, you know, after I was like, what? They took him to the moon to sign some paperwork to like the dark side of the moon. It's like you could see where it where you could get lost in the sauce. You know what I'm saying? Like, but imagine and we're talking about a kid, right? So imagine that this is happening in Hollywood and someone's like, hey, bring bring that, you know, private jet, bring the Lolita Express, you know, over to this Hollywood set. We've got a whole film set set up. It looks like the moon. It's wild. And we got dudes that we got the astronaut suits. Do whatever you want with them there because when they go back home and they're like, you know, they tell the sheriff that, you know, someone touched me on the moon. They're like, okay, kid, like, oh, go back to your parents. Shoot, you know what I mean? Bro. So, I mean, tell me that, that they didn't have the resources to convince a kid that Yikes. the Nesquik rabbit was in the room while they were doing something. And, and dude, Damn, bro. it sounds crazy, but I, I mean, I don't want to out anyone in particular here. This is no, and that's, gotta, that, let's be respectful about it. You know, like there's one thing. Well, here, I'll, I'll be respectful about this, but I just want to say that one of the top um, DNA uh, oh shit! I I just outed it, but it's okay. So one of the top uh, marijuana strain growers that went to Amsterdam in like the the mid '90s or whatever, um, I I ended up hanging out with him a couple times, and I remember we just got like really blasted uh, on like chaka chocolate or something. I'm probably also giving away who who they are, but um, so we get blasted, and he starts telling me this story. He's like, "Bro, I don't know how why I'm telling you this, but when I was when I was a kid, like me and my friends, like." this this crazy thing happened and while it was happening like there was someone in the room that was dressed up like ronald mcdonald and there was another person that was dressed up like the hamburglar and and we remember when we went and tried to tell our parents like hey this this really wild thing happened and the hamburglar was there they were just like oh okay you know what i mean and maybe you don't go over to that person's house anymore but clearly you're you're kind of making stuff up about it and that's the reason why those things are planted. So, I mean, Yikes. is it that hard to believe that someone could just put on a Hamburglar costume while something crazy is going on? So, again, I'm, every time you're like, this is wild, I'll be like, hey, bro, here's a really, no, no, really no. easy explanation. And the, yeah, this is why we're here to discuss this sort of thing, because it, that makes a lot of sense of like, yeah, make a, make one part of this. And that's why I'm open to all Like, that's why I'm open to all this, because. How I always said in the back of your mind, well, could that be possible? Well, discredit him. Well, what are we going to discredit him? Say that he went to the moon. No one's ever going to believe that. So it's like, yeah. And then how you're saying the moon. Yeah, he went to the moon. Some studio in Hollywood in some freaking warehouse somewhere. Yeah, they took him to the moon. <laughs> so check, you know? check this out, too. There's uh, in, on the, the TV show Community. Have you ever seen the show before? No. So the TV show community in season three, they start this new storyline about the Greendale air conditioning repair school. And basically it's, it's almost like the, the HVAC repair school is like the Illuminati in the context <laughs> of this TV show. And no one can get in. Like you have to know someone to even be like tapped to get into the HVAC repair school. So one of the guys gets tapped. I think it's Donald, uh, Donald Glover. Um, 
uh, Childish Gambino. But anyways, he gets tapped and he has to like crawl through the HVAC vent and like like navigate through the school. And then finally he gets into this like special secret room and John Goodman's there and he's got like a like a king's robe on him and he's got a scepter and he's sitting in this big, you know, chair and he's got like an astronaut on one side and like an Easter bunny on the other side. And he's like, welcome to the HVAC repairman school. You know, you've, you've been accepted. And he asks him, like, what's with the astronaut? What's with the Easter Bunny? And John Goodman tells him, it's, it's if anyone asks you about this, they won't believe you. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I, again, yeah, you're making a lot of sense. And this is something here, right, in, in part of the book. He talks about how Joseph Mengele, or I think that's how you say it, Conducted mind control research on thousands of twins and thousands of other. You say that name with some respect. Joseph Mengele <laughs> and thousands of other hapless victims. Himmler supervised genetic research. The Nazi, the Nazi research records. Let me write that down for that. German research <laughs> records. Might want to just start saying German to save yourself. The German research. No, that's disrespectful to the Germans. I mean, they're not. Isn't they're that not... isn't that messed up though? It's like when you when you need to say Nazi, but there's no <laughs> easy way to. Say it, so then you have to say like German, but I'm not trying to call all Germans Z-Nazis, the Z-Nazis research records were yeah, exactly right. So check out the Rumble, one on one RSS feed, Wild Wild West records were confiscated by the Allies and are still classified. And then a trip can be made from downtown Washington on a gray government van, which serves da da da. So most of Mengele's concentration camp research is still classified. Much of it dealt with mind control. A research can visit the top floor, et cetera, et cetera. So see this part, I believe. I believe that these people, well, but then again, it's what history tells us that they were conducting all this stuff. How do we actually know it wasn't, you know, our own people the, in, in our government that were actually conducting it? Or we have paperclip. We have all those things which sound really far-fetched, but we know it's part of history, right? We know that they recruited a whole bunch of people over. So yeah, I mean, man, I'll go on a, I could go on like a four-hour soapbox. I'll make it like a four-minute one, but it started here. It one, started one second, Thomas. US. Hold on, I'm gonna hit this real quick. Space what is fake and gay. That's my new space is fake and gay. <laughs> but <laughs> that's when like, the AI freaked out, didn't know what I, the hell to I, do. I I took the levels and I just like put it to like all the way to the left, all the way to the right, and it came out with the most beautiful. It's like you drop a nuke. It's like listen, listen, listen. Shh, shh watch. It's like he drops a nuke and then he just <clears throat> watch, watch. Space <clears throat> is fake and gay. gay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. <laughs> Where even was I, man? You were going to go on a rant about Mangala and Zenatzis. And oh, they're. Oh, I'll just say that it gets phrased often that it's like, oh, the U.S. went and captured the Nazis and brought them here and just continued the research. Nah, man. It was like, if this was a relay race, it was like the United States started the race, right? And they were <laughs> like, what a great, what a great word for that, too. They started the race and they run with the baton. And then they run all the way over to Germany, and they're like, yo, check this out, bro. This race is going really well over here. And they pass the, bat- the baton to Germany. And Germany looks at it, and they're like, damn, this is a great idea. We're going to make everyone in the country run this race. <laughs> and then it was like the Americans were sitting back like, damn, bro, like that's not what that was supposed to be originally. Like uh, maybe eventually it would go that way, but you can't just force people to race. 
Like they have to want to race, you know what I mean? Or you have to entice them with money, like a, like a monetary incentive to join a race. Or maybe it's like a punishment, like, ah, you, you've done too many bad things. Now you got to go and take a lap, right? Like you showed up to gym class and you were goofing off and the gym teacher's like, that's it for the next brown hair, brown eyes. How yeah, dare bro. you? So, so, I mean, that that's the way I see it is like the, the Americans were like, hey, we should get everyone into racing but we have to kind of like persuade them over time, like a Fabian society, very <laughs> slow boil. And Germany had no chill about it. They were just like, no, racing is great. Everyone needs to race today. You know what I mean? So yeah. anyways, that happens. Uh, they lose the race, you know, and then the Americans go over and we're like, you guys have developed some great racers. Like you've been training <laughs> for four or five years. Like you are fast. You are good at your craft it would be a shame for you to just like stop racing. You know what I mean? Like if you're so good at it. So why don't you come over to the U S we'll put you in a U.S. Jersey and you can race for us now. And let's just forget about like that horrible team and like the bad manager. Everyone knows it was just the manager. That was the asshole. And it yeah. wasn't any of the players, you know yeah. what I mean? So they were just so anyways, I, that's the analogy. It started in the U S and it was very much like a capitalist based, like do this thing right like uh make sure that you never have kids again and we'll give you this amount of money or oh you've been to jail too many times you know that's your third uh you know it's like your subway card right they they clipped it was like, oh that was your 12th visit sorry pass through the uh, clinic on the way out and they're gonna tidy something up for you but when it went to germany it was just so we'll get rid the of the time. cripples the retards and those <laughs> other people too they can go no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding so again, that, that's the soapbox, though, is it, it wasn't that we went over and found nasty people doing nasty things in Germany and brought them back, and then it went out of control. It was like, we started the fire, and then it spread a little bit and got a little hotter, and then we were like, okay, now we know what not to do. So let's go ahead and keep doing what we were doing, and then not do this one thing that Germany did. You know, anyone listening to this, Thomas, could could really take some of this stuff out of context and maybe call you a sympathizer. I don't, I don't know. It's just me thinking outside the box, dude. I don't know. A sympathizer of who? <laughs> the people who uh, finished the race. Anyways, the, let, let's see here. Let's, let's, <laughs> and they're still working on it. I think it's, it's going to be going for a while. All right. We have here. There was, what was the other page? Uh, oh man, I missed a page here where he talks about the precedence was supposedly a wife who went to a doctor who had told who, <laughs> who told her she had syphilis. The wife assumes she got it from her husband and divorces him. Then she learns she doesn't have syphilis. The husband then sues the doctor upon the bizarre case rest the legal precedence of for a third party to sue a person who gives advice such as family members suing a therapist upon this weak precedence an abusive father who worked for Monday why did I highlight this right here? Uh, California successfully destroyed a legitimate therapist who was trying to save his daughter who was a program monarch. Oh, okay. So I think he's talking about how more people don't come out because of this. And upon this weak president, an abusive father who worked for Monday in a winery in California successfully destroyed a legitimate therapist who was trying to save his daughter who was a program monarch victim. Supposedly the therapist had implanted false memories of rape in his daughter let me write that down you couldn't think of a back i'd see you like what, what, what word should i yeah, use well, yeah we're just sending it bro whatever dude this, this episode's fucked has been uh, so memories of rape in his daughter when the records show that the daughter's mother told the therapist the girl had been raped by her father 
When a valid case of SRA repressed memories went to trial in Washington State involving a police officer whose family was MPD, Dr. Richard Offshe of False Memory Spindrum, and you can see, is that legitimate? Is it, I don't think, even think I looked at it. False Memory Spindrum, what is that? False Memory Syndrome is... No, Spindrum. Well, I, th I think that that's just his way of saying, like... Like he's making fun of the word. Instead of calling it false memory syndrome, he calls it false memory spindrome. Like they're spinning it to be real when it's really. And it gets into this weird area of contention of whether or not you think it's possible to implant false memories in someone, or can someone like can the, 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 like have you ever heard of the McMartin preschool trial? Enlighten me, Thomas. So McMartin preschool trial was in the the height of the satanic panic of the eighties and nineties. And a bunch of kids started making these accusations that they had like underground tunnels and they were making them um, watch the slaughter of goats. And then like the daycare people that were taking care of them were like doing all kinds of nasty things with like the animals and the blood and the kids and the, the this and the that and the airline food. But then I guess they, they go to these therapists and the therapists start showing them dolls and they're like, you know, this is where the joke, like, show me where they, you know, he touched you on the doll. This is a huge element of that. This is the McMartin preschool trial. Um, and the kids start basically getting influenced. So if you ask a kid, you're like, well, did they touch you in a in a bad way? Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, the, like, in one aspect, right? And the kid, it's like, why am I getting this weird attention? Why are they, like, like so hyper-focused on me all of a sudden, like, Normally, people don't pay attention to me. I'm just a kid, and they're just like, you know, there's a kid over there. But all of a sudden, it's like they're really concerned. So they would kind of, like, feed into it. Yeah, maybe he did, you know. Oh, my God, he did? Here, let's get another few adults in here and give you some more attention. So mm. that's the one extreme of it, right? So it's like the more you make things up, the more attention you get. And on the top of that, it's, it's almost like polluting the well. So this is if you were in, like, a, a court case – they would usually say leading the witness. You're not allowed to be like, so Juan, on Friday at four, you uh you left at like three thirty, right? You weren't there at four. You left at three thirty. Like like if you're I think it up so, so yeah. all you have to say is yes or no, then it's like I get to say everything about it and you can just like like nod yes or no. So that's kind of one premise of false memory syndrome is that these kids would Spindrome. Like they would they would spin these stories up and keep saying yes 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 and the more times they would tell it the more real it would become to the point where there was almost no difference between whether yeah. it actually happened to them or it didn't because they had to recount it hundreds of times in front of so many different people and at that point i mean you're making like a sigil right you're like making like a thought form egregore mm -hmm. of, of like the actual thing happening to you which might not be as physically traumatic but it's probably you know mentally traumatic all the same so yeah that's that's false memory spindrome is when you say that can't be possible. Anything that you can get an eight year old to say, um, you know, with in like a locked room with an adult therapist is the truth. Like they, they can't make things up. They're just from the mouth of babes. So that could be a form of implanting false memories then. Right. And then they, they kind of sort of after that, really draw a picture of everything else essentially is what is what it is because i mean if it's like they, they clone tyrone where they flash a bunch of lights in front of their face and what's that other movie clockwork orange where mm -hmm. they do the whole you know hold their eyelids open and, and, and put things in their memory like that 
you know, I, and I could see where, yes, you could, because I, I mean, I see it with my kids too. Like, we'll ask him, we'll ask him the question, then we'll ask him the opposite of the question, and sometimes the answer changes depending on how we, depending on which, like, which, which choice we give him first will determine the outcome of the question. And like, sometimes my wife will be like, all right, so did you da da da? He'll be like, no, and then she'll be like, ask him, ask him the other one first and then see <laughs> like if we're trying to come up with like what do you want your birthday party to be do you want it to be spider-man or x-men uh spider-man or do you that's want NLP, X- bro. x-men that's or spider-man <laughs> x-men i'm like bro what do you which you know what i'm saying like which one do you want so it's like whichever one you present first is is right so i could see that happening absolutely what you're saying uh they could implant false memory so he goes on here so a false memory spin drum showed up to cause mischief and mischief he he did he did work. The case involved the children of a Christian police officer named Ingram who had satanically ritually abused his family for years. The daughter won in court, but offshoot of the EMS was not above writing a book full of lies. And just So he's going after somebody here. The controlled media is giving full licenses. I'm going to look this up to see if this is even a thing. And I want to point out something else, too, that I guess gets conflated. And so this, yeah, dude, this is going to be the easiest episode to take me out of context and just get me canceled. <laughs> but but the the I would say that if someone's doing something like that to their own kids, isn't the satanic part sort of redundant? Like, like yes. is the bad part the satanic word or is it everything outside of, like you can take that word out and it's just as reprehensible, right? So usually when they include the Satan in there, it's it's to kind of be like, and it's they're doing it because of the devil and it's not necessarily because of just human nature or just, you know, the horrible state of humanity it's because the devil actually had an active participant in this so rather than fighting the government for scraps of declassified documents which have had their secrets marked out and which may even be fake documents manufactured by the cia have decided that there is a much better approach to expose the monarch mind control of the world if a person could know all right so the, apparently this is an actual thing this richard offshe guy uh, is and he's still alive an american sociologist and professor emeritus of what is that it's a, emeritus oh, yeah. so an honor honorary title yeah. berkeley he is known for his expert expert testimony relating to coercion in small groups confessions and interrogations so he talks about false memories right here across the social right. and, and again like imagine this dynamic Whoa. right someone grabs your kid um, like he's at school, right? Your, your kid gets called into the principal's office and then the vice principal's in there and then the teacher's in there and they're all nodding and going like, so do you know why you're here? You know, you were bad, weren't you? And even if you don't know what the hell they're talking about, it's a little kid and three authority figures that are all sort of like coercing you into acting a certain way. And it's not hard to just get someone to play along in that in that case. It's kind of what like a police interrogation is, right? So he's saying that this dude, you know, is is in cahoots pretty much with with the people, right? Is what he's saying. Uh, well, making because a- this is the the two different sides. One is yes. that there's no such thing as false memories, yes. and this guy, like you say, recovered memory therapy will be recognized as a quackery, quackery. of the twentieth century. Um, and and it it's because it's like um he kind of says that you can't rely on this sort of information. This is not admissible. And you can't even take it as fact. And I like where he mentions it. Um, what does he call it? A uh, uh, the recovered memory therapy. He he basically. Um, I, I don't see it in here anymore. But 
you know how people do like the the past life regression and they're like oh yeah well it's a pirate <laughs> now i remember no, no no i actually remember like i can smell the sea and i can feel the boat moving and i can like and then it's like oh my god i was also thoth right like i was the god oh, thoth and i wrote the emerald tablets my god I'm just remembering it I was so, Barney, the bear, the, <laughs> the dinosaur. <laughs> so and yeah, and everyone's always like a king, and and never like the the guy that's the like toilet a scrubber, player, right? Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of the same premise. I'm that's a an extreme hyperbole version of it. But the guy that you just had pulled up there, that Fritz is saying he's part of the Illuminati, he's yeah. part of the the Satanists and stuff. It's more like that guy is saying like, "Hey, man, maybe like your past life shouldn't be admissible in court. Like, it's cool if you think you were a pirate." 100 years ago or 200 years ago but you don't really have a lot of proof for it so we're not going to go with that so that's sort of what he's saying to me like if hey that's great you pulled my seven-year-old kid into a fucking room and got interrogated by a bunch of adults for three hours and he said all this crazy stuff that's cool but like until you got proof like we can't actually accept that as fact so that's exactly in my mind that's the line of contention it's not that like anything a kid says is obviously a lie or that everything that they say is made up, but there's, there might be like some middle ground, but you got Fritz on one far into that extreme. And then this guy kind of at the other end fighting each other. So that's like next time you guys have, I know you do the realities are is next time you have like a person telling their story about encountering Bigfoot or dog, man, just like throw him, throw him for a loop, bro. Like as soon as like, yeah, I saw a dog, man, he was charging straight at me. Just yo, how big was this dick, bro? <laughs> I, knew you were say it. I knew it. How big was the I cock? You know what I'm saying? Like, did you see it? Was he circumcised? Not circumcised? What's going on? See, you know what I'm saying? Because like that'll, when when you start to, because when people rehearse like a story over and over again, they're gonna get down like the their details, and we just throw them for a loop, bro. That's like my first question. Hey, yo, what's up? What's up with his dick, though? You know what I'm saying? I, I know you're joking, <laughs> man, but there's a real theory that goes behind this, and that's that just like the movie Men in Black, they hold the pen up, right, and it mm-hmm. flashes your memory away which is also based on real MK Ultra CIA mind research, but it wasn't a pen. It was like concussive therapy. Like they would just yeah. hit you in the head really hard. But um, there's some theories that say that Bigfoot's dick is so incredibly <laughs> huge that a if, a, if a man sees it in real life, it's like a traumatic experience for you because you feel like the, the least like a man you've ever felt in your life. And because what? of that, your your body sort of like protects itself by wiping that trauma immediately like the second a man sees bigfoot's dick you forget it immediately because you can't fathom that there's something that's just so incomparable and at the same time if a female sees bigfoot's dick they are just so overcome with just pure ecstasy and orgasm that it also like removes itself from their memory because the sensory perception overwhelms your ability to implant that memory into your neurons. You might think I'm just in like, Oh, you know, he's being funny. This has come up more than once. And these are real theories that we've explored on realities. Ours. Yikes. All right. Well, so that's why if, if someone doesn't know what Bigfoot's dick looked like, it was because it touche. was traumatic for them. All right, that's all I got to so say. If you, if you can remember what it looks like, the kudos, bro. Checkmate. Like <laughs> Checkmate. Check bro. Yeah. And yeah, no, I, I knew we were going to get weird. I said at the it beginning, was, you know, I saw it. It was, it was okay. We're going to crank it. We're going to crank up the heat here a little bit more. So yeah, just, yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, here it goes. So we have the handlers of mind control slaves carry around. And this is again, 
part of part of it is it the lore is he drawing from somewhere it turns me off are we just off. in the terminology still right now no 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 i'm on page 10 okay okay <laughs> i'm on page 10 so the handlers of mind control slaves carry around a black or gray three ring notebook or a laptop computer with the access codes and triggers some of the programmers and the handlers have this all memorized the deepest parts core gems executive committee false trinity etc are charted in esoteric language such as enochian hebrew which is considered magical and druid symbols i have never gotten the opportunity to look at one of these although a number of the slaves who i've talked to with have while they were being programmed oh okay all right so you've never seen it it's just what these people are telling all right cool right but but i mean and here's where some of okay I, i'm not gonna defend this one because it's like this person was programmed, but they like they didn't program the part to forget about the part where they saw the programming source code. Like <laughs> they for, they forgot to program that part out. You, know you I mean? can see where it can be like. Uh... If you're watching this as a movie, you're like, all right, there's a lot of plot gaps. Here. Well, that's the thing, dude. They make movies about this exact sort of stuff. You know what I mean? Well, so are they drawing it? And, and comic books, right? Paranoid American time samplers. Check it out, paranoidamerican.com. So is it coming from stuff like this that they know, let's say that the, the cinema are like this cabal and they have access to all this stuff and, right, Kubrick was this crazy mastermind or do we make it seem like he was this crazy mastermind? He was actually just making good movies and he was just a really good storyteller. Like, which is it? You know what I mean? Like, there's so I many. I think he was crazy mastermind. The more I look into it on that one, but the, I know that was rhetorical, but I just have to say yeah. that. Kubrick was absolutely a mastermind. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Two thousand one space. Definitively. So you don't have to ask that ever, Quinn. Never even ask that question. <laughs> space Odyssey was pretty damn good. You know, like all those movies were, were were amazing. So again, this is just one of those like where it's like, mm, trust me, bro. Source. Don't worry about it. All right. So let's see here. If you know, you know. <laughs> if you know, the Illuminati have recently put in base program that allows them to ultimate control over many of the other group slaves. This will be described. Okay, so let's go along here. The programmers are mad. <laughs> Here's another one. How you said, what does it matter if they're doing all these horrible things to throw in satanic or demonic in there? The programmers are much into demonology. Right before therapists close their minds to this yeah, subject. I was on board until you, if they're into demonology, bro, oh, never mind. That's a, like, that's a no actually, for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. On second thought, this doesn't sound like such a fun thing. So he goes, the programmers are very much into demonology and then he goes before therapists close your minds to this subject so any therapist listening before you close off your mind to this the authors would like to point out that they personally know of cases where monarch slaves whose christian personalities and other altars didn't believe in demonology were talked into participating in real deliverance and slaves discovered much to their surprise that work that they had unsuccessfully tried to do for years with their therapist, with their therapist was accomplished in a day or two. And he goes on. Some prestigious researchers have decided the subconscious doesn't exist because they can't find it. It's mysterious. To the man in the street, the concept subconscious is as mysterious as the concept demon. Both have been the subject, the objects of intense research by the U.S. slash Brit slash German intelligence groups. In fact, many of the concepts in this book have been purposely obscured by the Illuminati's control over the media and universities. 
The Illuminati, the Illuminati, bro. <laughs> These obscured concepts include MPD, which is the DID, which is the multiple personality multiple disorder. Multiple personality disorder, dissociative identity disorder. It's, it's, it's like Oh, the, check it out, bro. Oh, dude, I just remembered Sorry. something that's going to be crazy at the end. Oh, man. All right, all right. Uh, so recovered memories, hypnosis, demonic possession. Get ready. Aliens. We're going to get into that one later. <laughs> Mind control. The subconscious, a conspiracy to bring in a new world order, truth, <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs> so all this stuff. <laughs> These obscure concepts include at the at the very end, truth. Uh, the smokescreen of controversy will continue, but those who love the truth, if they seek it, will realize the importance of this book. So those who love the truth are gonna experience and realize it with this podcast episode. Just remember that. But if you hate freedom, then you probably won't understand it. Yeah, if you hate freedom and you love censorship and stuff, you're not going to get it, bro. So you're look, turn this off right now, bro. So he goes on, this book is a must for those ministers who seriously believe. Uh, he, and he quoted uh, 2 Corinthians 2.11, for we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. All right. And then so he, go ahead. There's some interesting aspects too. I don't know if, if you already went over this, but he, he had a list in the very beginning of the book of like everyone that's in on it. And here's like, here's a list of all of the different <laughs> organizations that are in on this. Right. And there's a uh, 54 of them. I kind of want to read them all off, but one of them is Scientology. But ironically, what he's saying here is that you can't trust therapists and psychiatrists and psychologists sometimes you need an exorcist right you need to have like a priest come in and exercise a demon out of you you've been in therapy for three years it's not working we yeah. can fix you in one day you just got to sprinkle some holy water and do like a little thing right holy water and that, enema dude and that was the whole problem the entire time was just that you were wasting your money on it and i think that scientologists might be like yeah exactly what he said except that they were thetans and we have to exercise them out because they like they were in a volcano and it exploded and it latched itself. It's a big thing, but like, you know, the psychologist can't help you. You can't fix yourself by talking through it and trying to work out problems that that are deeply rooted and maybe in your personality and your upbringing mm -hmm. and take years to no, no no no. Here's some water, bro. Here's a little here's a little holy water. We'll say a couple words and like the last twenty years of mental illness is just gone because the whole time it was a, a nasty demon or a thetan that had latched itself to you you're welcome listen thomas you're you, you're not a piece of shit because you're a sagittarius okay you're just a piece of shit because you are all right so don't blame your astrological alignment for being the way you are okay so and it's that same thought of my like oh i'm such an asparagus you know like <laughs> right um, i'm so stubborn i'm a taurus uh, uh, you know like whatever like all this oh, crazy. sorry guys i don't have rent this week what a what a gemini thing to do right yeah. I, said, I said i'd have it and now i don't so gemini. classic that that like way of thinking so i always think about this all the time where it's like why is spirituality a thing? Why is religion a thing? Why is symbolism a thing? And it's like they they work on people's subconscious, like all he's talking about, and they they can quite literally control, but like beliefs, ideas, which are in, these things just floating around, can con have so much control over somebody. And now you're saying it's like I've tried a therapist, then I walk into this establishment, you know, Catholic, Christian, whatever. And they do this thing on me and boom, I feel better. It's like, what, what was holding you back 
the whole time. Like, like what? What? Well, you know you what know? I hear too. Like, like again, even if that was a rhetorical question, it's almost like someone saying, "Man, I've been going into like these clinical settings with fluorescent lights where I have to sit down and fill out <laughs> paperwork and pay all this money, and like I don't know, whatever reason, it's not alleviating my anxiety. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, but but I went into this church and there was no one else in there and they had high ceilings and there was like music going on and I smelt frankincense. I've never smelt frankincense before. That was crazy. And they had stained glass. When's the last time I saw stained glass? And then like this dude came over and we, we had a talk for like 20 minutes. He, he fixed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, maybe the problem was just that, you know, you needed a complete change of everything of scenery and everything. So anyways, I won't go on that rant too much, but a lot of people, are just like oh it was because the religion fixed it and it's never like oh it's because i completely changed my perspective and tried something out of the ordinary as opposed to repeating the thing that wasn't working for five years yeah no i i, I get i get exactly what you're saying so yeah change of scenery and yes absolutely and we have here a little bit of frankincense That's a little bit a little bit a little bit of frankincense so <laughs> Uh, he, he touches here, Moses confronted the satanic magic of the Pharaoh's magician who could who could cr create live snakes from sticks. The yep. Apostle Paul had to deal with Simon Magus. And he goes, a leader of what is now known as Satanism. Solomon, one of the greatest men of faith, backslide and be a uh, backslid or backslide and became one of the greatest Satanists of all history. So he's about, and this is because Solomon seals, right? Where Solomon was commanding the the power of demons through his <laughs> sigils right his symbols uh but according to fritz you know like solomon was the bad guy because anyone that works through demons or egregores or whatever like they're they're working alongside evil forces but there's like these these interesting sects out there if you love the truth this book is if you love the truth this podcast is for you if you love the, the truth book. support <laughs> us patreon.com slash one one podcast slash patreon uh, paranoid american yeah if you love the truth this podcast is this episode is for you so i'm just saying all right if, if it has to do with magic at all it's basically a bad thing according to fritz in the context of this book like you you're a satanist if you like magic do you have anything to add on to that i'm gonna get into the, uh, the list I hear, here's the list oh, yes okay. the list go ahead it's uh 54 deep it's i don't think it's even exhaustive but some of the names in here are, are pretty choice air force intelligence army intelligence atomic energy commission balking or no sorry boeing my my copy's a little bit sorry. boeing too damn oh yeah the boeing british intelligence mi6 mi5 tavistock institute bureau of narcotics bureau of prisons catholic church jesuits cia uh charismatic movement church of satan church of scientology Sirius, Club 12, Club 41, country music industry, uh, as if it's just like like a thing. All country music industry. Defense, <laughs> which, by the way, I actually, that wouldn't surprise me if country music was all satanic. Federal Bureau of Investigations, Freemasonry, especially uh -oh. the Palladium Rite. Now, don't forget this. We're not going to go too deep into this, but I guarantee you over the next years or so, I'm going to be jumping super deep into what they call the palladium right but freemasonry palladium right 33rd degrees and above degrees so now we're talking like 99 100 so thomas don't uh, don't, don't talk too much i know you can't say a lot okay, so just okay, in case. Okay, okay 
Gay Pan. I don't know what that is. <laughs> German Intelligence Agency, GHG, Hollywood. Just just the word Hollywood. Uh, House of Saudi. The Illuminati, also known as the Circle, also known as Mariah, also known as Mariah Conquering Wind. Have you ever heard of that before, by the way? No. That is one of the, the coolest alternative names for the Illuminati, by the way. Mariah? Mariah Conquering Wind. It's a biblical reference that I don't remember. Gnosticism. Luciferians. By the way, if you're a Gnostic, you're in the Illuminati. Just oh, already. Sorry to break it to you. Um, if you're in the Fraternal Order of Saturn, if you are in the Golden Dawn, you are Illuminati. The Internal Revenue Service, also, by the way, you're in the <laughs> Illuminati. Uh, the KKK, Mafia, Masons, Mossad, Mormons, NASA, NSA, uh, National Science Foundation, Neo-Nazis, Oddfellows, which is interesting because he already said Masons, but he's like specifically in you Oddfellows like especially fuck you oto <laughs> uh the elite section of mi6 known as p4 the process church professional baseball such as the la dodgers now i like that yeah, part playing with most. bats and balls yeah professional baseball and then he's like especially the la dodgers i wonder if he was just like let down as a he kid. lost the uh, bet yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, russian government and russian intelligence and he just lists kgb and all this uh santeria satanic hubs uh temple of power u.s army u.s air force va and the werewolf order what i don't know what the werewolf order is i've looked into it but all i ever find are like tumblr blogs that don't look like they're something that fritz was talking about yeah so again it may seem like we're making fun of this sort of stuff but I, I assure you, listener, we take this very seriously. Okay. So we're just having we're just having fun while talking about serious stuff. So, so, so just, I just want I just want to mention so that I just read all fifty four of those. Uh, or the last one was some witchcraft groups besides Satanism. Like that that was literally it says some witchcraft groups besides Satanism. Should we censor um, that whole thing and just leave like silence throughout the whole go, thing? Or no, just have it go beep. <laughs> on the censored version so people can so it can really trigger people what, what are they saying why did you guys what's the point of putting this up if it's censored so i don't know i'll think about it but maybe so, so just like two or three paragraphs under that i mean we're already we're already going off the rails anyway let's so. go yeah let's do it so that was just a list right he's like right. hollywood country music you're, are you like, going where i think you're party. going bro I scroll, you scroll down and you just skim down. And then, and then here's the sentence of, and the, uh, the altars of victims, remember the cover story produced via torturing, uh, in cages of little children. So it's like, it goes, dude, it goes from like the werewolf order and we're making fun of the United States air force to like, and now we're torturing children in yeah. cages. Yeah. So it, it, it jumps all over. And the reason I'm pointing this out is that there's not a break. Like once you get through the very introduction <sighs> to this book, it's just like someone just keeps punching you in the face over and over oh, and dude. over. Like there's there's no slowdown. Dude. There's there's not like a uh, like um you know when you go and get your popcorn and like take a piss break. It's, it's not here. And that was like an intermission chapter, but it doesn't exist in this book. No, no, no. And you're 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 kidding about that, but you're absolutely right. There was at some points, you know, I'm my mind reads no bitch, Thomas, but I had to put it down. <laughs> all right, because. You know, you're constantly 
and, and this is this is why this show is so important to so many people because we're in the trenches for you, right? We're doing the dirty work for you of uncovering the truth. And if you love the truth, you're going to love this podcast. All right. And you're going to subscribe and you're going to like it. And you're going to leave us a five-star review. But if you don't love the truth, what happens if you don't love the truth? Oh, you work for well, the I, Illuminati. Right. Well, well, to be clear, if you love the truth, you're probably a member of both of our Patreons. If you like the truth, like if you're lukewarm on the truth, mm. then you're, then you like and subscribe. If okay. you hate the truth, then you didn't like and subscribe. Yeah, and you're and you're like the Illuminati. So, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> here's one thing I want to point out. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's just balls to the wall. As soon as you right get past like the introduction of like why you shouldn't read it because you might be a mind control slave, and then you have the the glossary of terms, which was kind of eh, I was like ah, okay whatever, and then it just really starts, and then he just really cranks it up, just like page third around page thirty, just just like really just really tines up the bolt and if there's any other book that really kind of can is up to par with this one and and in the section of literature that's like messed up that i wish i didn't read but still pretty good i'd put this with like genuflect which i, yeah, know you I was and about I, to say twyman have you read that yet i've had it in my house for like a year. Oh, you're no, in for it yet. you're in for a treat. You're in, dude. Let's let's do. I don't know. If we should do a one. I on need that. you to catch up on the occult book club reading list before I start adding more books to mine. No, no, no. I need you to read that because by the time you finish that, I'd probably get through a chapter but or something. Legitimately, are we even allowed to review that book? I because don't know. I understand. We I don't even. Get, I don't like, even know. We, we can't even say that name on the on the. We might have to censor that name. <laughs> and that's not because of YouTube. It's because the uh... the walls have eyes, bro. Yeah. I just I just call it the walls have eyes and ears. And a genuflect is just a you know form of of doing. It's an action, so we can't really. But yeah, so that book. And again, not suitable for work whatsoever. Is it kind of up to par with this? Yeah. And yeah. So, and also let's not knock the fact that aside from all this craziness, right? All these crazy stories, all these crazy concepts in this book, Mr. Springmeyer knows his stuff when it comes to the occult, when it comes to the esoteric, when it comes to alchemy, he knows free internet. He knew it pre-internet. Yeah. He know like the the information which I'm about to read right now, like this is actual stuff. And how you said it's pre-internet. So imagine the work and the hours he had to put in to actually extract this information. And I could see why he would put sources, books on psychology. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't even say how many. It could be two, it could be two hundred, who knows? And a lot of people like to kid about like the NPC idea and like how there's people here for texture and how there's people who don't have any souls and stuff like that. If anything, what I'm about to talk about now, which we've covered before, I think this is the version of like homunculus, if you will, or NPCs that are walking around. And now, and I don't think it's a large percentage of people. I think it's just like a select few and probably from, again, the top tier, like 1% that are really truly this the people that we like see on the news every day and stuff like that because i know you've seen that meme where it's like all the news stations all saying the same thing 
like all like in the same pattern like and they just like stack them up on top because well, they're reading the same notes that came down but who from the corporate who yeah know? exactly who is feeding them the notes exactly like who is they and i think Rupert they Murdoch, essentially <laughs> right or sinclair whoever, whoever oh, that. Else? the other one too that that's appropriate for this is uh there's a clip with Bill Clinton again from like the nineties, I think where he's reading out all of these, like, you know, thanks for tuning in for to KFMR in Michigan or whatever. And, and uh, musicians do this too, but like, he's just doing one after the other, after the other. And someone's asking like, you want to break it? He's like, no, I love this. You know what I mean? Like he's, <laughs> he's like zoned into it. It's all it's like, I love turning my brain off and just letting the program and take over. But yeah. like, there's a very real aspect to that. I, personally out of all the things that people talk about that we talk about one of the things i find the most offensive is the npc like i really do find not like clutching my pearls in a way but when someone's like they're not even a real person or whatever yeah. it's like eh, you're kind of dehumanizing like that's usually the first step to like eh, they're all hermaphrodites there's no way <laughs> yeah. she could be pregnant she's a hermaphrodite like bro and then my favorite space <laughs> is Fake and gay. Gay. All right. Here we go. So preparation of the children by spiritual preparations and in utero traumatization, the moon children. So we've talked about that's, this before. That's the title of the section, by the way. That's the, yeah, it's the title of the section. Yeah, he's, he goes hard in the pain with these title sections as well. So the moon children, moon child rituals are the rituals to demonize a fetus. However, the demons that are invoked are not the small ones, but very powerful ones. Ooh. In working with victims of this programming, it is clear that high-level demons were placed within these people at very early ages. Many of them, it is believed, were demonized before they were born by rituals like the moon child rituals. Blood sacrifices and human sacrifices are always required for this level of magic. Now, there's a big difference between those two types of sacrifices. I just wanted to note. He Go ahead, please. glosses over that, but... A blood sacrifice and a human sacrifice. I mean, th there's a there's levels of extremity in both of those. Well, go ahead and elaborate, Thomas. Because I, now well, I, I mean, wanna... if, if you're like a 13 year old edge lord and you cut your palm and you're like, I hope she calls me back. Oh, I mean, I there you. you go. There's some blood magic. But if you're like killing a person because you want someone to ask you to the prom, like there's a there's a huge gap between those two. But I just um, the reason I'm pointing this out is because it's it glosses over so quickly because all the other things around it are so hyperbolic yeah. and extreme that it's just like anyone that you know believes in fairy tales or kills everyone in their family is probably like in this group and it's like <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> that is, was a pretty wide gamut that you just painted there is there any saving this episode so alistair crowley was a satanist who was a 33rd degree scottish right freemason thomas he was. He also was a leader in a number of other Masonic rites, as well as an OTO leader, a chief in Stella Matu, Matutina, and an MI6 British Overseas Intelligence agent. His writings have been important within 20th century Satanism and with black magicians. He wrote Moonchild, which was his which was first published in 1917. The idea of the Moonchild is that via black magic, a perfect soul can be captured. The belief in reincarnation, which is prevalent among the Illuminati and Satanic groups, lends itself to the belief that souls complete, compete for a particular embryo. And then he goes here on page 107 through 108 of Moonchild, the idea expressed, quote, to produce a man who should not be bound up in his hereditary 
Heredity. 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 Am I saying that right? Yeah. Heredity. Feels like I'm saying it wrong. And should have the environment which they desired for him. This perfect soul and a proper person is called homunculus. Hit the button. <laughs> what are you doing? Hold on, bro. I don't got this stuff ready. This is a serious topic. Homunculus confirmed. Homunculus yep. confirmed. Eat a bag of dog dicks. Good God. That's a homunculus certified motherfucker. Homunculus. Let's go, baby. <laughs> I mean, might as well just pull out all the stops. Like, yeah. this is the Emotional damage. <laughs> but hold on. Before we even keep reading, because it, it's like we can just start quoting the rest of the book from now because it's it's nuts. Yeah. Everything he said so far in this section, true. Like, in my mind, it's 100% factual. He has not even made any salacious or hyperbolic claims yet. Everything he has stated has been 100% fact up to this point. No, yes. And again, this is, it's from literature that existed before he wrote this book. So that's why even I battle with these ideas myself because I'm... Dude, I, I enjoy researching the like the occult and the esoteric. And then it's like I present it because I find it like really interesting to talk about. But sometimes I'm not, I'm not even sure what to do with the information. Like sometimes I'll have information. I'm just like, what does this even mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what what, what do I do now? <laughs> like, you know, what I mean? like it, it's it's a, it's a lot. But again, yeah, this well, is here, here's my analogy for that really quick. It's a, it's like uh, imagine you're out traveling the world, right? And you go to Morocco. Or you go to you go to Hungary, and they're like, "Here's this special paprika that they only make in this very specific part of Hungary. It's the best paprika in the world." And you're looking at it, and you're like, "I don't really put paprika on everything. I might not even use it that much at all." But if you're telling me like this is the goods, right? Like if I'm ever gonna wanna taste paprika in my life, I should get it from this guy right now because it's the best there is. You grab it and you bring it back home and you put it in your spice cabinet. And it doesn't mean that every single time you have a meal. You're putting paprika on it but it does mean the one time that you're like oh man there's this like really specific dish that i really want to prepare and it requires like good paprika that's when you can go into the back of the spice cabinet and pull it out and sprinkle a little bit of that in and put it away and it elevates the dish to like a level that it never would have been before especially if you just popped over to Publix and grabbed like their paprika that was on sale or like the you know in the international aisle where you you spend half the price on like the cheaper version. So that's kind of where I see some of these books when you come across it and you're like, what am I going to do with this information? Who knows, man, buy it and put it in the spice cabinet. And maybe in like a year from now, you're going to find some recipe or you're going to be on a podcast and you'll be like, oh my God, bro, I got some spice for you right now. And you're like, hold up. And you go into the spice cabinet and you pop it out. I'm about to drop the sickest homunculus knowledge, <laughs> alchemical knowledge you've ever heard, Thomas. They come over with the homunculus and like the cheese grater, and you're like, "Tell me when." <laughs> yeah, I'm about to blow this dude's back out. Like, I'm about to hit you with the craziest. So, yeah, I agree with you. I guess. I mean, <laughs> it's not the greatest thing to like just be reading these obscure, weird books and then just like storing it in the back of the cat in the back of the mind palace somewhere. It's like just it's like piling up all the information. So he goes on here, the magical work upon which this is based is said to be derived from Bacon. Let's talk about Roger Bacon, Albertus Magnus, and Paracelsus, who were all reportedly 
reported in occult circles to have captured souls and placed them in brass statues. Now he, he is. I don't know how. So have you ever actually heard that Paracelsus had a brass homunculus? So that's the thing. As far as Paracelsus, I don't know. But he is talking about, again, the homunculus. Albertus Magnus, they had the the head. And Bacon also had a... One of those two had the head. Uh, like this animated object. So those two, yes. Paracelsus. And the, the Beastie Boys had the brass monkey. That funky monkey. Is that the one? So, yeah. Again, he's right about that. And we have here... Uh, Alistair Crowley was writing about a super all right so clear back in 1917 long before Superman appeared in comics and movies Alistair Crowley was writing about a Superman and we talked about this in episode 167 I think it was where we talked about homunculus moon children all that stuff mind control the magical idea is to capture a soul from the fourth dimension so we're adding a little bit more uh, more lure to it in the book Moonchild. Well, now we're getting in, into physics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. We have we always have to you know back up our sources. In the book, in the book Moonchild, the villa used to produce a Moonchild was called the Butterfly Net. The now, mon is that true? Yeah, it is true. That, that that that's what I'm saying. I've I've this part I've confirmed, which is crazy. I, so I've never heard that. If he is. So the Monarch Project, then, which is named after the Monarch Butterfly, is also an allu uh, allusion to the Moonchild Project, where butterflies are an allusion to souls. And bingo, then he, bingo. what Christians call demonic spirits. And he puts it in parentheses. What Christians... I've never heard that before. Not in my Pentecostal career. That not, souls that, are demonic spirits that not a lot of people know about know that butterflies are an allusion to souls what christians call demonic spirits what the i don't even know what that means i'm still trying to figure out what that even means butterflies or souls are demonic spirits butterflies are an allusion to souls and then parentheses what christians call demonic spirits and then he closes it off sure yeah trust <laughs> source trust me bro yeah, the actual rituals carried out to create a Moonchild are described in detail in three of Crowley's writings. A vague description of the rituals can be seen by reading the book Moonchild. The ritual took place at the villa nicknamed the Butterfly Net. The villa was an occult temple laid out in sacred geometrics. It had figures of satyrs or satires, satyrs, fawns, and nymphs. It had statues of Artemis, lots of sil lots of silver objects and crescents, and a nine-pointed star were at the villa because these objects are related to the moon and magic and we talked about that again on episode 167 so i'm not going to keep going but he goes on about the whole uh, terminology of crowley and the moon children so we have this, in my mind this is him flexing that like and i know what i'm talking about like here's the be. math here's the numbers here's the books uh, ironically is <laughs> ironically that the dude that, that's writing this that's like so anti out of all the sources, I think he's the most up-to-date on his Crowley <laughs> research. <laughs> Who was that? Well, I'm saying that Fritz, like, like out of all the things that Fritz oh, read yeah. and, and, like, was an expert on, ironically, he's probably the biggest expert on Crowley mm -hmm. out of all of the, the topics that he speaks on. The guy, the guy we all know and, and love, right, Crowley. And I'm, I'm jumping around here a little bit because my that those notes were actually for the episode that we had done, so I had taken those screenshots before. 
and now it falls into chronological order. I want to highlight here real quick Illuminati from the from the terms. The Illuminati are 13 elite bloodlines which have maneuvered themselves into control over this planet. They lead double lives, once one for society and a hidden one, which is based on a Gnostic Luciferian philosophy, which consists of lots of blood rituals. All right. That's, lots of them. That, yeah, Not just some, but a lot. A lot. A lot of blood rituals. And then I highlighted here switching. This is when one part fragment of the mind takes over from another. Or in simple terms, this is when one alter personality or alter fragment takes the body from the alter which is holding the body. Switching can occur via the programmer's codes for calling up alters or by external internal stimuli that trigger an alter to come out. Switching will usually cause at least a flicker of the eyes and for outside observers who know the different personalities, they will observe another personality take the body. And it reminds me of that movie. What's that movie where he, he's like Patricia and he like morphs into like this creature, like his whole body starts to like contort and like his limbs start to move around. It's really famous. The whale with Brandon Fraser. No, no, I haven't seen that one yet. The thing? Split. You ever seen the movie Split? Uh, was it the M. Night Shyamalan? James McAvoy. He has 23. So had has evidence 23 personalities to his trusted psychiatrist. Mm, 23, huh? Yeah. There remains one still submerged who is set to materialize and dominate all the others. And apparently this is connected to unbreakable so the prequel was unbreakable which i think it's like Marvel. yeah so this is, the, this is the m night Shyamalan trilogy oh okay yeah I'm, yeah, yeah you're right you're right bruce willis and then uh uh samuel l jackson had one and yep. then it was split was the third one yeah I, I thought you were talking about the actor that's the, the director so yeah and the glass was the, i haven't watched these other ones actually unbreakable i haven't watched that movie oh dude out of out of all of those unbreakable is the best one Ooh, I'm it's all watch. about comic book. It's about it's about uh, comic books being based on reality. It's it's where they say that oh, the modern nice. day mythology was actually based on comic books, and that comic books are like the real Bible. That's sort of like the the impression of Unbreakable. Oh, and they came out with a new one, 2019 Glass. Oh, cool. I'm about to check this out. Yeah, each each one of those is a different character in that series. Oh, so Unbreakable is I Willis, got you. I got Glass you. is Jackson, and then Split is the other dude nice oh there's something else to do so uh that's the switching honestly like the the whole trope in movies and tv about split personalities like the writers would be doing themselves a disservice if they didn't read this book so you almost have to imagine i'm hired by hollywood right i'm writing million dollar scripts about mind control and split personalities and how to create alters and assassins tell me that they're not searching and finding this book and devouring it and pulling it into the the script, right? That if and if they aren't, then why the hell not? Right? Get on it. And it it just makes me think of movies like Saw, right? Like the whole series of Saw, how degenerate it is, and those other. Remember Hostel? You remember those movies? Like how crazy those movies are, or even the Human Centipede, right? Like those type of movies, I could see like being part of this. Like all these band movies where you think about like the craziest things that happen, 
Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm at, so imagine like human centipede, right? Like, let's. <laughs> I know that was like a. I think it was a German movie. Imagine it's like a Hollywood movie, and after they shoot it, the director goes to the producer and he's like, "All right, now let's do it for real. How much? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like we just we just spent thirty million on the fake version. How much for the real version? And man, the real version's probably like pennies on the dollar compared to the Hollywood version. They're like, oh. You want a real human centipede? Yo, those are like 18 grand. That's not, it's nothing. Wait, so there's three human centipedes that I watch. I know I watched the first one. The first one was the, like they conducted the experiment. The second one was a, that the first one was a movie in the second one. Then there's a third one. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a centipede, bro. It just, it just, you keep attaching more to the end of it and it goes forever. I wonder if I've seen the third one. <laughs> Oh, the prisoners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I seen yeah, I seen this. Oh man. <laughs> the the fourth one's actually called the welfare line. And basically once once you go in and sign up, they just start sewing your your lips to the person in front of you. Yeah, no, I've seen yeah, I've seen the it's crazy. All right. Anyways, that met, kind of messed up stuff. Now I wanna talk about here I'm still like early in the book, bro. Uh, the he talks about the reason why it's called Project Monarch, because the monarch butterfly learns where it was born, its roots, and it passes this knowledge via genetics onto its offspring from generation to generation. That's called uh, Lamarckian genetic memory, I believe. Yeah, which is a real thing. This was one of the key animals that tip scientists off that knowledge can be passed genetically. So this is why they present us with all these, what I believe in these movies and all these different things, because if they can implant that in you at an early age, then it'll be in my DNA. It's going to be passed down to my lineage, which is probably not a great one, but now, it's one nonetheless. One I, don't, I don't know if I believe this, man. This is this is the one part where I I don't know if I believe in Lamarckian really genetic memory. Yeah, it's I named after the, the butterfly like that. It. I love the concept of it. Uh, and also, I've, I've brought this up before, too, the flatworm experiment where the guy taught flatworms how to get through a maze and then he, like, chopped them up and fed pieces to other flatworms yeah. and then those uh, – but no one's been able to repeat that uh, mm. again. And it seems like something that if it was that easy to do and it was that consistent that it would have been repeated. But I really – I like the concept that, like, when you die, I could just eat you and then I would know everything <laughs> that you ever knew – and then, like, if I died, someone could eat me, and then they would know everything the both of us knew. And if that were a real thing, then I think that there'd be, like, a whole industry based around that. You'd show up to the restaurant and be like, yeah, let me get a little piece of some Albert Einstein. Let me get a little piece of this. Well, uh, Or, like, who's the, smart, who's the smartest chef in the room? Have them just, like, you know, crust a, a few, like, skin flakes off for me. But I don't know if it's real. I think that it might be real on a huge, huge timeline, like, like, a hundred generations or more, I think if like every single person in that generation developed the exact same skill, maybe at a certain point, the hundredth baby gets popped out, they become abandoned on a on a island somewhere, and they're just like, I don't know why, but I can make leather shoes like a freaking expert. <laughs> and there's not even leather around here. I don't know how I'm doing this. There might be a possibility of that. But to say that that someone like your great 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 grandma like you can eat part of her or that like she can tr trace down like pass down some kind of a skill that she developed to you that part i'm, I'm kind of calling bs out on just because that would absolutely result in like a, a commercialized version of marriage it's like hey you know i'm a great basketball player if you just 
you know, have kids with me, all those kids will be great at basketball. And we've seen that that's not necessarily true. It's an anomaly for like the generational uh, merit-based skill to just be inherent. You know, it happens in industries where nepotism exists, but once you get into like top level, like how many Olympic athletes were, are there dynasties where it's like, you know, my, my great, great grandpa won the Olympics and, and his grandpa and his grandpa, that's, that is an extreme anomaly because there's no nepotism there. And I think that if this were true, if the Lamarckian genetics were true in that way, then it would be evident by now. Lamarckian genetics, you said? I believe that, or Lamarckian. Lamarckism, a theory. Lamarckism was sort of contrary to uh, Darwinism. They both were trying to explain evolution in different ways. And one one of the key concepts of Lamarckism was this concept of like genetic memory, I believe. Uh, Mark yeah, argued that a blacksmith gets strong muscles from his work and his sons inherit those strong muscles. Okay. Right. But if you take that analogy and flip it upside down, you could say that really it's that successful blacksmiths just have a better predisposition to like building the muscles needed to be a blacksmith. And then therefore it's, it's the genetics that make them good at their job. It wasn't the job that changed the genetics. I remember, so you, you brought up an interesting concept about eating another person or a part of them and then knowing what they know. I'm pretty sure it was you that talked about the pineal gland and how... Well, that's, that's what gave birth to the vo- the Cartesian voyage. There was an article that a bunch of rich people were basically eating pineal glands in order to get the knowledge of other you know more famous people and the more and more i dug into that eventually it was that rene descartes book the the cartesian voyage about rene descartes not the one that he wrote whoa as far as i know though that that kind of fizzled like i didn't find a good enough reference to people that actually said that they were powdering a pineal gland and snorting it because that was the original quote that i had crazy bro but the more i traced it it got almost like every conspiracy theory like once you actually find like the original source it's like okay like i see where they got that from and then the next book emphasizes it and the next one emphasizes it and then eventually that game of telephone it's like you know it's adrenochrome and they're cutting they're cutting off faces well and they're also turning the frogs gay too so listen today september 24th 4 38 p.m eastern time let's go ahead and copyright that idea because that actually sounds like a great storyline dude that that i don't know if it's been done but it sounds there's a comic book called chew which i highly recommend and it's about uh the chew series is about a detective that can eat people and then he gains their memory so that he can solve the murder. So they'll they'll show up on like a yeah, dude. I, I, this is one of my favorite comics of all time. Dude, this is crazy. Yeah, he works for the FDA, so like he'll show up, and I and I think it's like people will get poisoned or like they're they're importing like bad meat from like unsavory uh, sources, and then someone will die. So this, the FDA inspector shows up and he just eats a little piece of the dead person. And then he gets to kind of like relive the last few hours of their life so he can figure out how they died. It's like Dexter. It's like trying to solve crimes or whatever. And he's an actual like serial killer or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. All right. never mind then. Scratch that. But it's it's all Lamarckian. That's Lamarckian theory. 
Well, that's that's pr- actually pretty pretty good. Anyways, maybe we can and, do that. And just, and just a, a little cherry on top of that, this is also why people that are like big uh, proponents of this Monarch, Project Monarch and that um, all of this works. And you even know how Fritz was like, that guy that says that sometimes kids make stuff up, he's working, you know, for the Illuminati because mm-hmm. he doesn't agree in Lamarckian theory, essentially. So there's also usually in like the conspiracy theory community that really bonds with like this Fritz version of reality they will also tend to be like, and Darwin was Satan, and Darwin was part of like the horrible Jesuit establishment. And part of me thinks that this might just be like a side effect of this like centuries old Lamarckian versus Darwinism philosophical thought, but it's taken on like cult status in some circles. So, like Gerard Dorn says, whoever wishes to learn the alchemical art, let him not learn the philosophy of Aristotle. But that which teaches the truth. So if you love the truth, you're gonna to subscribe to this channel. You're gonna hit that. No, no, no Patreon. Up. If you like the truth, you'll subscribe. Okay, if okay. You love the truth. Yeah, if you Patreon. Patreon.com/slash the one podcast slash Paranoid American. Sign up for the Kickstarter, all that stuff. So make sure to if you love it. If you don't, if you're lukewarm on it, then whatever. Give us a review. Like, and you can't search for Paranoid American on Patreon, by the way. It doesn't yeah, I even saw that, up. bro. <laughs> so you actually have to either go to, to ParanoidAmerican.com and click on the link or go to Patreon.com slash and type in Paranoid American. It, it will not come up in results. This has been confirmed. That's because I uh, uploaded something naughty and it needs to be 18. And anyways, long story short, I'm on Patreon, but I don't come up in search results because why would I? I'm the Paranoid American. Yeah, you got some conspiracies on there so wait really is that why they, they censored you you got pink for that yeah so so if you have adult content that's not for you know 16 or under then that specifically says that you will not come up in search results and then i can get myself unlisted as adult but i have to like promise them that i'm never going to upload something that will not be for you know under 18 and i i don't know if i can make that promise i mean is any of our stuff I don't think so. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, maybe I was just the only idiot that actually checked that box at some point. Just maybe someone came through and saw Thomas. Just keep it. And they were like, keep it on the DL, bro. Don't say nothing. All right. <laughs> it's like one time, <laughs> one time I I used to play a lot of like MMORPGs and I had a, a character named Cumshot and <laughs> I wanted to change the name and then i ended up writing to like the people i'm like yo can i change my name they're like no but we're gonna ban you in 30 days so you gotta figure something out <laughs> yeah for letting us know yeah, yeah for letting wrong. us know so i was like damn it like i told on myself so it's all context like you can show the elliot page nipple but you can't show the ellen page nipple exactly and we have here this was the key animal that tips scientists off that knowledge can be passed genetically so he said, we discussed that the Monarch program is based upon Illuminati and Nazi goals to create a master race in part through genetics. If knowledge can be passed genetically, which it is, then it is important that parents be found that can pass the correct knowledge onto those victims selected for the Monarch mind control. The primary important factor for the trauma-based mind control is the ability to disassociate. It was discovered that this ability is passed genetically from generation to generation. American Indian tribes, parentheses, who had traumatic ritual dances and who would wait motionless for hours when hunting, children of fakirs, fakirs, <laughs> <laughs> not fuckers, 
fakirs, I guess hopefully I'm saying that right, in India, you are. who would sleep on a bed of nails or walk on hot coals. Children of yogis, those skilled in yoga, who would have total control of their body in trance. Tibetan Buddhist children of Vodun, or, uh, Tibetan Buddhist, comma, children of Vodun, That's comma, voodoo. Yeah. yeah, Bazango and other groups have a good ability to disassociate. The children of multi-generational abuse are good at disassociation. The Illuminati families and European occultists went to India and Tibet to study occultism and Eastern philosophy. Those Europeans learned yoga, trant tantric yoga, meditations and trances, and other methods to disassociate. These skills are passed on to their children via genetics. A test is run when the ch when the children are about 18 months old to determine if they can disassociate enough to be selected for programming or not. Mind control slaves are created for different purposes, hierarchy or non-hierarchy purposes. And that's where I stand. Like these people, you know, I think that this stuff is going on in like, you know, the deepest, darkest corners. Well, of I was going to say this, this is where I do believe it again. Like we're back into the accurate territory, yeah. uh, in my opinion, um, because which means nothing. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> the, so the Lamarckian was that you're a good blacksmith. Therefore, your kid just becomes a good blacksmith because mm -hmm. he's got your skills through genetics. And we always hear that. It's in his blood. You know, like we always like hear that. Right. And, I mean, like there's reasons why it might be in your blood. But anyways, I don't believe that the skill transfers. But if you start saying that there's some genetic lines that are better at dealing with stress, I mean, and that's the, the non create like, you know, some bloodlines are better at becoming Illuminati mind control slaves. That's one version. Or you could just say that some people have a better biological process where they can deal with stress. And, you know, some people like the entire family line are just freaking stressed out. And it might not be because of dad passing down his anxiety. It might just be because of other genetic factors, like a physiological difference in your body. To get into the the adrenochrome research, one fifty three eighteen. I said that word. You know, write that down. But the adrenochrome research, got it. Um, that Dr. Abram Hoffer, his entire life, he was the one guy that focused on adrenochrome, and he came up with this theory that said that people like adrenochrome has a, a purpose in the body. So when you have a spike of adrenaline, like something comes at you, and you have to deal with a huge a spike in stress some people that huge dose of adrenaline gives you a heart attack and you die right so that weeds the people out that can't handle <laughs> large amounts of unpredictable stress typically it's like oh yeah like like heart disease runs in my family line well guess what you probably can't deal with like uh, mind control programming you might not make Aww. it all the way through that but if you uh. do make it through it there's a chance that your kids could also make it through it and it's not because you're passing down the ability to be programmed. It's because your body can convert adrenaline into adrenochrome quicker than any other people. And that adrenochrome in your system makes you act a little bit wonky because it's basically a psychedelic until it finally like, you know, loses all of its oomph and gets back out of your body. But for some people that is very real that they genetically can process adrenaline faster than other people. And they pass that ability down. So in that case, I think Fritz is a hundred percent correct here. Like you could be some, you know, like royal family line and figure out like, man, like when we torture, you know, Jessica's kids, they always seem to bounce back. But whenever we torture <laughs> Robert's kids, uh, oh man, he's got some, some duds that just don't come out of it. Yeah. So like, let's keep breeding Jessica with people and then we can program her kids. And then 
that's how that works. So anyways, I, I think that this part is actually true. But then they say that some people voluntarily give their kids up for these programs. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah. And then you also said they, they pass a test. Mm -hmm. So this is issue four of time samplers, which is building on the back of issue three. Issue three shows you exactly how a Illuminati mind control slave is created. And then issue four, they start, I start showing you how some of those tests work. And one of them is called the Daisy test. And basically he just has this Daisy, right? And it's just, I love you. I love you not. Everyone's heard this game before, right? Where you, you pick the petals off of a flower. So as you pick each petal, I love you. I love you not. And the test was that if you pick the last pedal and you're the programmer and it's, I love you, then you get to keep your life. But if it was, I love you not just by pure chance, then you don't get to keep your life. And that's why there's uh, some failed experiments with the little pedals down on the ground here. But then he's saying, I love you. So she passes the test. And the whole point of this test, by the way, is just to see if the kids can deal with the abject like randomness of it because it's not like you did anything right or wrong in order to get picked or not picked it was completely based on how many petals that particular flower might have had and then the very next one is uh and this this is from the book that we're covering right now this this isn't comic book this is from fritz's book there's another one called i think like the fire purification test and basically they have a room where they divide people up uh, across this like glass panel and randomly one side of the room will just burst into flames and the other side won't. And based on who in the room flinches, see how that the kid in the blonde is like covering his eyes when he sees these other kids uh, across from him, they burst in flames. Well, guess what? He just failed the test. So now the next round is he's going to be on the other side of the window catching on fire with the new round of kids on the other side and what they're doing is they just systematically are like first let's show them that there's nothing in their power they can do to like prevent life or death like there's not it's not skill based you can't suck up to me nothing and then it's going to be oh you have to suppress your emotions in order to survive so they're learning as children they're learning the skill of like no matter how bad something is happening to me or to someone else like, I just need to be deadpan and pretend it's not happening and just check out. Just astral project your ass out to Jupiter or something mm -hmm. where this isn't happening. And if you can prove that you know how to do all those things, that kind of implies that your body knows how to process adrenaline into adrenochrome. Like, you know, I mean? like it's basically proving that you've got the physical aptitude to then go through the real programming they're going to basically put you through. Yikes. Yeah, the, the YouTube crowd probably isn't going to see that first picture, so I can see it in the comments. There's a black box in front of the screen. Pick, oh, yeah, what yeah, we, okay. What are Fair we, enough. What are we seeing? So if you want to catch... It is available on Amazon. Amazon. Amazon.com, ParanoidAmerican.com. ParanoidAmerican.com. Paranoid, uh, yeah, Time Samplers. That was issues three and four. I'm working on issue six. Yeah, those now. look crispy, bro. I like, the, I like the glossy cover. Like, they look really good, so... We're pro, bro. We're yeah, pro bro, over here. Exactly. So... All right, what was I? The Illuminati. These skills are passed to the children. A test run. All right, so a test run. They do about 18 months old to determine if they can disassociate to be selected program. Mind control slaves are created for different purposes, hierarchy or not. The Illuminati create mind control slaves who are to function within the Illuminati hierarchy. These slaves will usually have their genealogies hidden and will be created to have excellent cover lives to ensure that they are not detected. 
they and will... that's why I don't have the research to back it up because <laughs> they cover their tracks. And that's the whole like that gets in like to like NPC territory. Like, uh, how much can you really get behind that? Right? Maybe they're all clones. They're not even real people. Yeah, they will be give. They will be given multifunctional programming. They better accept. And then we have here the expendable are the children of parents who were blackmailed into turning their children over to the CIA. This is all hidden by the power of the national security act. These are children who have been sold by pedophile fathers. There's Oh, Oh, we're going to get, we're going to get spicy on this one here. Pedophile. And I got pornographic too. So pornographic. We're just in the peas. Well, yeah, we're, 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 we're in it right now, bro. We're in it. So the, these are children who have been sold by pedophile fathers or pornographic parents. The programmer slash masters program them with the expectation that they will be quote thrown from the freedom train. Now I highlighted this specifically because when they get to the age of 30, the freedom train is the code word for the monarch trauma based mind control to be thrown from the freedom train means to be killed. Now, what's interesting about that, and since this episode's already as spicy as it is, is uh, the Sound of Freedom movie that came out that a lot of people were talking about, right? The Sound of Freedom and they got the freedom train. As soon as I saw that, that kind of clicked in me like, yikes. And then the whole accusations of that guy that the movie was based on actually being a fucking creep towards other women or or. Kids, I don't know who it was, but there's allegations uh, towards that guy that the movie was based on. He was actually dropped from like the organization that uh, that he was working for. So it's kind of ironic how the movie is talking about doing these degenerate things. And then the dude that they made the movie after was actually doing some of these things, allegedly. Right. And that was the sound. Go visit chosenone.com. It's easy to remember. If you just sing along, chosenone.com, go visit chosenone.com, the chosen one, yes he is the chosen one, he's got his own comic, and now he's got his own song, cause he's the chosen one, yes he is the chosen one, go buy a copy at chosenone.com, chosenone.com, Go visit chosenone.com It's easy to remember If you just sing along Chosenone.com Go visit chosenone.com Under the freedom train That was in that Ah, yikes That doesn't sound too good, does it? What about the Trump train? No, no, no That's the freedom train Yikes Alright, so The CIA and the Illuminati are skilled at blackmailing parents to give up their children uh, they would watch the mail for porn. Pedophile and murderers who abuse their children are warned that they will go to prison for long lengths of time if they do not cooperate by selling their children into mind control slavery. I can, I can see this happening. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that? I mean, that's that, that's like F. So this F- is definitely Stenian. not a thought that I usually spend any time diving into. But since we're in the middle of the episode, yeah, I mean. Imagine you're like the most corrupt cop on the force and you've got connections to the, you know, the Clinton um, soiree and they're just like, hey, man, keep your eye out for any like low hanging fruit. 
and this would essentially be that low-hanging fruit and you tell someone hey man i i know what's been going on here so i can either break up the family and put the kid into foster care and everyone goes to jail and you get registered or your kid just disappears man it sucks they ran away right you just don't go looking for them yeah and then that's the agreement and you don't go to jail the kid goes away the problem goes away and uh you basically have what some might consider damaged goods but for them it's like they've been they've been bred to do this really sick horrible task so they just kind of perpetuate it and they they get drafted this is kind of like the the political draft picks in a way franklin scandal style all right so i'm reading through some of this because i'm not going to say some of this shit here but yeah again like i said this episode we're going to touch on some of the messed up parts this is pretty messed up in its own but he gets into detail i mean i'm not gonna use your imagination he gets into detail about what these families are doing to their kids and all this sort of stuff so to uh, pass on that uh, we have here originally joseph mengele was the lead programmer he had already achieved the rank of grandmaster later epsimus Within the Illuminati, he had become skilled in music and Kabbalistic magic and dancing and abortions and in torture. By the way, Mengele had a sadistic. <laughs> Listen, I'm Meng- just 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 imagine turning in your resume and it's like, oh, wow, you're good at dancing and singing. And wait, wait, what are these other ones at the end? <laughs> they call me the uh, the abortion master. And it's funny because one of them, one of the magicians that Crowley didn't like in his book, Moonchild. He was a, a skilled abortionist in that in the in the, the story. So let me write that down. Hold on. He just he's out here just wasting all these good homunculi. What are you doing, bud? Oh man! All right, I'm writing these words down because this is. Uh, he was was he skilled in kabbalistic magic? Do you have any evidence of that, bro? I mean, in, in dancing, what the hell does dancing have to what do? Is- what what is the source? What was it country music? Thing? Was he two stepping with the satanic <laughs> country music? What, what's going on? So there's no footnote, dude. And he had a sadistic mother too, and and he was also skilled in programming children. And let's see here. How true is this? Many of the concentration camp children that Mengele programmed still survive and still love him till this day as quote daddy unquote. They call him daddy. Is that true? This one seems a little bit hard to back up because does this mean that Fritz went and actually visited the uh, like the victims of Joseph Mengele? And if so, is there like just a list? Can I just go to like a registry somewhere and it's like here's all the children and here's where you can find them. Here's the addresses of all these abused. I don't under I don't. I, so no, I don't. I don't know if I believe the source on this one, but I do believe that the concept of Stockholm syndrome, which ironically I don't think is necessarily the right name for that, but that can exist, right? Like you can bond with your abuser because your abuser is yes. giving you attention. Stockholm syndrome so, type of stuff. Yeah. Well, as I was say, but Stockholm yeah. syndrome, if you look into that, the actual names, like that might have been a good case. That might have been okay. like a fake version of it, but the I got principle exists. Okay. And then we have here. She would determine the fitness of the children and then present them for a formal acceptance ceremony at the age of three. And this is one of the things here that turns me off to the Grand Druid Council. Like There's that John Todd influence, bro. I, I almost guarantee it. Either John Todd influenced Fritz to write that or Fritz knew something about Dr- Grand Druid. But John Todd predates this by like two decades, I think. So my 
my mind constantly goes to John Todd started this grand druid council claims and it perpetuated from there. Yeah, and it goes here, right? And this is another thing here. The traditionally the Illuminati had been having their children inspected by a woman with the rank of grandmother. So yeah, like the the black mother and all these like the grand dame they also yeah. call her. I'm gonna spare you of the other stuff that he has here. All right. Working my way through almost any sex slave can fit somewhere into the script of the Illuminati New World Order syndicate porn movies. And I place porn in quotation marks because what they call porn doesn't resemble what the public thinks of porn. And we're not talking about Playboy type porn. I mean, to we're, bring up Nicolas Cage again, we're talking eight millimeter, right? He goes here, we're talking ghastly, horrible atrocities that are as sick as anything done in the Nazi concentration camps. And Oh, all right. So, all right, here we go. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do this 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 part here, so you can get an idea of what we're talking about here. And if you want to read this book, go ahead. Uh, for instance, it takes a little acting ability or beauty to have one's head chopped off while having sex. Hmm. True, it's a factual statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that I think that's pretty factual all right what do i have to censor there whatever oh we'll figure this out <laughs> after we're done i highlighted here hmm. the child programming charts and this is what made me wonder bro i don't know the child's programming charts would then be labeled some suitable occupation such as environmental activist get ready for this one thomas pentecostal church reformer uh. <laughs> consumer advocate or activist against narcotics the programmer for that child would then follow six months goals all right i just i highlight that I'm, and again i'm reading ex different excerpts from different places and not every illuminate child is born premature but many are because they're preferred method for programming it gets into the whole idea of like preemies and how they're more susceptible to illuminati programming again this is this is the lure of the trauma of premature birth and this comes this comes right after the homunculus part that we talked about the, at the beginning the moon child again my notes are a little bit jumbled up but now we're we're back on track but he's talking about how the illuminati have learned that a mother can usually give two or three preemie births like this before she risks death to try it again if this type of birth is repeated too often the woman's heart will fail this is why the Illuminati will have their breeders give two or three preemies for programming, then have their breeders switch to full-term babies, which are used for sacrifice. We don't want those full-term babies. We only want the preemies. Okay, so the other ones, we'll just go ahead and sacrifice them to Moloch. Well, it's like uh, olive oil and virgin olive oil. <laughs> Thank you for that, Thomas. And there you go. A, uh, and then again, more of this. I'm allowed to say that, by the way, because I am a preemie baby. So oh. I'm allowed to say that. There you go. A bloodline will often want a female firstborn male to be sacrificed to their beliefs, to their belief system and the Lilith programming, which is given the altars who function within the Kabbalistic tree of life, which is built in during Mengele's programming for the deeper section sections levels of altars which are trained in illuminati black magic this subject will be dealt with later so he's talking about this whole thing here and i'm just highlighting stuff that stood out to me so essentially 
what he's getting at. Again, very QAnon type of thinking where it's like what also gets me is like this is too and give me your thoughts on this Thomas it's too sophisticated what what are your what are your thoughts on that of it being like What's sophisticated about that like the whole system where are they going to how like how big is the network of these breeders people who give their children up to these illuminati circles to do their things that they're going to do with like how big are we talking like are, he doesn't ever really get into numbers well, of how like, big was epstein's operation two people plus all the customers Ghislaine, epstein and then anyone that had power and blackmail on them it's all it took tiny little organization may and maybe Mossad. yikes Oh, maybe, maybe Masad, bro. Just sprinkle. out a few numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just sprinkle it in there's, there, dude. There's the meme, bro. <laughs> okay, bro. All right. So ingredients, you know, yeah. a little bit of a little dash of Epstein. Here's Masad. Oh, uh, Ghislaine, yeah. and then some Masad. Yeah. All right, and the rest of this chapter is him. Uh, but, I mean, does that answer the question? Like. No, not really. You know, I mean, how does that answer the question, though? Because you're saying how how elaborate and sophisticated could this network be? Well, I mean, at how sophisticated was it for Epstein to have someone loaded onto the Lolita Express and flown across the country for a Super Bowl party and then flown back across the country again mm -hmm. to their crappy parents and said, "Don't say anything about this trip, otherwise you go to jail for it." Because Ronald McDonald was there too, right, in the room with them, and so was unironically, yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in the rest of this chapter, he gets into the, like the actual specifics of how they go about programming, love bombing the child until about eighteen months, and we just hold some of these up because this is exactly what some of these uh, these panels are about. And again, uh, it goes from love bombing the child. I'm gonna I'm gonna spare you of the 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 details, and then fracturing the mind. That's so this part here. Well, hold on. So you you're already you're you're we're skipping ahead a little bit. I want to mention that this book that we're covering, Luminati Formula to Create Undetectable Mind Control Slave Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Um, but they this is kind of the core concept of this trauma based programming. And he breaks it down into these like four steps, but like step one is consciousness. That's a traumatic experience when you, like the fetus just gains some sort of consciousness that it now exists and didn't. So before. real quick, Thomas, real quick. Step one is the selection and preparation. Step two is the, where is it at? Foundation step to the trauma of the premature birth, right? So they prefer right. premature and then step three is the love bombing step. Well, hold on. If, the, if you go into the details, one of the want other, to. the very, the, you probably know, here's a picture of it though. The very first trauma is this amniocentesis needle where they actually poke Ooh. through the mother and they, they jab into the side of the fetus, which is giving you control. Now it's like, I can determine the very first time Juan feels pain. And if I want that to be exactly at midnight, on three, two, three, you know, like I can make that happen. So that's that. And the only reason I'm being very specific about this is because if you believe in trauma-based mind control, this is, this is like you calling uh, like the initialization program, right? If you're programming someone, this is when you're like, okay, startup computer boot. This is like you writing that first line of code and it, and it revolves around that first little trauma. But like 
when I say trauma-based mind control, I think JFK assassination, the whole um, country gets programmed because they go through this traumatic experience. 9-11, everyone becomes like a, you know, like proud of their country for like three or four months. And we're all in this together because you're bonding over a traumatic experience, another trauma-based mind control. So all you're doing is taking those big abstract nationwide traumatic events where we're all programmed and now imagine it, it's on just the one level. And if someone had full control and they knew that every time I traumatize Juan, I can like give him a command or I can be like, you see, and this is why you don't, you know, do that. Like, it's like your dad slaps you, bro. I don't know if it was uh, with you. There was a, I think it was on a cult Disney uh, shout out Matt Comagies, but there was an episode or no, sorry. It was the changeling with uh, Tommy truthful. And I was reading this, uh, this claim from like Martin Luther. I know this is a slight tangent, but this is about trauma-based mind control. And he's talked this, this father's telling his son that, they throw something in the fire and like like it doesn't die and it actually oh it was it was a basilisk they throw an egg in a fire and the fire hatches and a lizard crawls out of it and he slaps his son across the face and the son's like crying and he's like like why did you hit me and he's like the only reason i just hit you is because in the future you're going to tell people that you've seen a basilisk and they're going to call you crazy because it's not a real thing so I just slapped you in the face right now. So you remember this moment that that, that lizard you're seeing in the fire right now is a real thing. Um, but I mean, really, that is kind of like maybe a good version of trauma-based mind control. Like you're going out with your dad and like someone makes like an award-winning, you know, like goal and he just slaps you across the face. And it's like, you're not in trouble. I just want you to remember this moment. You know what I mean? But <laughs> it would work, wouldn't it? You would remember that until the day you die. Like, I remember the time my dad slapped me because there was a lizard in the fireplace. What a what a core core memory there, right? I think everyone should have that memory with their father just watching a lizard come out of the fireplace, right? And like being smacked across. Yeah, so or was I here? Full. All right. Yeah. The steps. So love bombing. Uh, you wanted to continue on that? Or were you done with the? I, it's on the bottom of the page, and I can't see the screen when I hold it up. So yeah, I'll just skip that one. All right. So love bombing. It's about eighteen months. They go into detail. I'll spare you those. Fracturing the mind. So the fourth stage is built upon the foundation of disassociation created in the first and second stages, and the love created in the third stage. And then here, the demonology of the first step also helps pull in demons associated with programming, tunneling in the mind, and multiplicity, which are used in the fourth foundational step. All right, so I got to remember to always invoke those demons when you're doing that some... That fourth step's a, a doozy. Yeah. All right, so page... And here, if I want to do my best to summarize these without getting into the, the weeds, because there's some nasty weeds. Yes, there is. Step one premature birth because you're like more potent or more attractive to i guess like the demons that come in right sure uh, and then you've got step two and they induce um some more like the trauma-based programming the love bombing this is also a technique in like just like regular human relationships where there's typically an abuser yes um and and it doesn't always have to be a bad version of it but love bombing is just like constantly giving way more attention that is sustainable for you for the explicit purpose of like making sure that your investment gets a big return. Right. So I'm just going to like start buying gifts and presents and just like showing all my attention, cancel all my plans. I'm, I'm just here for you, girl, but like you can't do that forever. So there's 
either some intention to like you're doing this for a purpose like maybe a manipulative maybe it's just because it's you know how you were brought up but there's like a, a very um focused aspect to that and then the fracturing is when you basically if you take a cold glass and you dunk it in boiling water or vice versa you take a hot glass and dunk it in ice cold water it fractures and and the reason why it fractures is because you just went from one extreme to the other too quick you can kind of like slowly bring it to the right temperature and that won't happen right so the fracturing of the mind in the context of this illuminati you know mind control is that you go from love bombing to doing the ultimate horrible thing you could ever do to somebody that you've just been love bombing for the last you know three months or whatever it is so you go from like a, a child gives their utmost trust in you like they don't even think like am i going to get hurt or anything it's just like oh every time i see this face i know that i'm going to be fine i'm going to be fed i'm going to be warm and safe and then all of a sudden the worst possible thing happens to you and the fracturing is that the only person that you know that trust and love and, and even recognize in the world just did something to you that you can't uh, kind of like reconcile with Process, all the yeah. other experience and I think in the book they kind of describe it as like divide by zero or maybe that was something in my in my comic but essentially that's what's happening is that you're opening up the calculator and you're saying divide by zero and it just goes error like mm -hmm. the human brain just doesn't understand how could this have just happened this doesn't compute and as soon as you get them into that like does not compute state that's when the programming can start and for any nerds out there, remember like the old Xbox mod hacks, there was something called the red ring hack um, or like the ring of death hack. And it was basically you could hack an Xbox by making it freak out and reboot. And then during that reboot process, you could inject code and then that would let you play bootleg games where it wouldn't be smart <laughs> enough to check for like the anti-piracy you know, code something. in it. So you would just bypass that, and it happened through a reboot hack. But essentially, it would just keep rebooting the iBox, uh, Xbox, like over and over and over, and keep trying to inject this code. And the second it worked, then it would stay on and stop rebooting. But that's kind of how this Monarch programming is working, the way that he describes it. That that fracturing is you're you're rebooting this kid's brain. Um, and they don't know how to deal with it. And mm -hmm. you just keep rebooting it over and over until either the programming takes or you just reboot it one too many times and, you know, the power supply blows out. And what's really scary about this, bro, is how, how, how well you can break this down, bro. So it just makes me think about you because I did see in this book that potential programmers were computer programmers by day, Illuminati programmers by night. So, and it said U.S. Air Force, check. It said Mason, check. Yikes. I mean, not I a, also was in the country music industry for a little while. Not a good look, that. Thomas, if you get what I mean. All right. And it would make sense that you would have this book and in your And the Process library. Church, too. I was also in the Process Church. All right. So, how you said, they go from these two extremes, hot, cold, hot, cold, and then you have the initial splitting, right? That's where it fractures into these multiple alters, personalities, etc etc and then they take these individual alters and program whatever it is that they need i mean use your imagination right use your imagination as to what they could use how thomas was saying at the beginning essentially this is what the book is really about about uh, these different fractures and these different personalities and then he literally they break down the types of different programming the languages 
the different altars that they could be potentially used Which cartoon for characters you use yes. to implant certain types of personalities like you might use like a Disney a Disney princess if you're going to be like a sex slave but mm-hmm. um, maybe they'll they'll use like Superman stuff if you're going to be uh, like an assassin like they'll make you feel like you're this like you know you're going to come in and save the day but really you're just going to kill John Lennon yeah yeah exactly so uh, here we have and then Look at look at this thing here, which this thing looks kind of kind of wrong. But the cover of the program of the ritual at the Bohemian Grove, and, and then he puts here, comma in which a child is sacrificed and a snuff film is made of it. I don't think we can say snuff, so I'm gonna. So here here's that really hard crossover with the Franklin scandal, and I don't know that was uh, John DeCamp that wrote that. I don't know if John DeCamp wrote his notes on bohemian grove about that first or if fritz wrote it and then john DeCamp piggybacked or if they both heard the same story from a different source and then mm-hmm. independently wrote it but but that exact claim that you just mentioned is in both of those people's books and also in uh i think there's a book called franklin scandal by nick bryant which also kind of addresses this wait you did did you explain at the beginning the franklin scandal i don't think you did so Franklin scandal is known that because of the Franklin savings alone, I believe it was in Omaha, Nebraska. It was a bank. Um, there was like some embezzlement going on. Mm-hmm. Long story short is through the financial forensic investigation of the bank fraud. They discovered that the, this guy, I think his name was uh, uh, Lawrence King, um, who was a Republican. He was friends with like the Reagan family. He sang at the Republican national convention. Like he had a lot of political power this guy was legitimately running like an underage, uh, you know, child ring essentially uh, to high level politicians. And the second that this broke, like all of the victims were kind of character assassinated. They all got sent to jail for lying and, and uh, like lying under oath. They basically went to court and under oath were like, yeah, like all these things happened. And then they were like, nah, no, it didn't. You're all going to jail for saying it did. Um, so I'm, I'm oversimplifying some of that, but but the Franklin scandal essentially is if you were to take this manual that Fritz wrote, the Illuminati formula, and then actually applied it in real life, Franklin scandal is like, and here's the people that applied Whoa. this programming in real life, and here's what, and I believe Franklin actually makes a claim about like Lolita Express dropping kids off by Bohemian Grove and cri- like, you know, crazy Whoa. things happening. Because, yeah, let's – one very important thing to mention, which we didn't mention. This show was actually sponsored by Bohemian Grove. So no, we weren't. All, uh, claims are... <laughs> we weren't sponsored by Bohemian Grove. <laughs> that – and now the, the Illuminati formula used to create an undetectable total mind control slave is actually a manual. Now, I don't know if I would consider it a grimoire, but it's a manual because it literally breaks down – each and every different step on what they do to achieve this mind control slave. Okay. So it's quite literally how you're saying, like somebody could take these things and apply them to whatever that there's a, they're doing. And and one of my favorite or not favorite, but check this out. Ritual torture device, (sighs) several victims (laughs) (laughs) of Illuminati trauma. Remember a special ritual torture device that is, that is put inside a person and causes excruciating pain. It is made only from one kind of wood, a special wood, possibly myrtle. It has paint. It has a painted spider on it between two satanic symbols. Okay. 
this and that's this it. is legitimately scary, bro. This is like <laughs> That's it. And you know what it is? It's the lack of detail that, yes. that makes this feel more credible and creepier. Yes. It's like maybe even Myrtle. And you're just like, oh Jesus, like what does Myrtle do? <laughs> to say is that the Harry Potter lightning bolt on his for what what is this? Is this a is this a dick and balls? What is this here? Like and then a spider. All right. Also, is that a, a, a misspelling in the name? Because it looks like it says Denny H L L G R S. Did he miss a vowel in there? I Just, guess. This is the you know the, you have to read this all as a whole here. Like none of these things exist in a vacuum. And yeah. this image was provided by who is it? Denny Hergels. Yeah. Again, I'm not making fun of of what's in this in this book or the things that are happening. I do believe that. Right, like the movie Sound of Freedom and all this. I do believe that that's an actual thing. The trafficking of humans is a real thing. But what I don't like is like the over embellishment sometimes of like the the drastic theater, like make it huge and make it. It's a it's a problem. Point is, it needs to be tackled. How do we go about that? You know, what I'm saying like we don't need all this other division bullshit with this party, that party, et cetera. Like, no, it's an issue. How do we tackle it? You know, what I'm saying so again. I know we're making jokes and all that stuff, but this is this is serious stuff again. But you take it for what it is. If you want to go and and the book is Just here. No, if if they ever give you the option and they're like, we got the beechwood and the myrtle. Always <laughs> go for the beechwood. Always never go, yeah. go for the myrtle, bro. Because it's put inside you and causes excruciating. That's a pro tip from a cult book club. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we have so the idea of a snuff, which I'm going to censor that word out and that whole thing and then i had here uh, what we mentioned at the at the beginning right altars split they can do different they can do different programming for different altars they have a whole programming language different concepts different words are you saying different characters which is all covered in here and this book is very long and one of the things again this is one of these concepts of like why don't we know more about it Right. That like the child that asks, oh, well, there's aliens. Well, do you have a picture of it? Or there's Bigfoot. Oh, do you have a picture of Bigfoot? It's like, uh, not really. So then he goes here. The, um, the amnesia walls that are built by traumas form a protective shield of secrecy that protects the abusers from being found out and prevents the front personalities who hold on to the body most much of the time to know their system their system of altars is being used the shield of secrecy allows cult members to live and work around other people and remain totally undetectable the front altars can be wonderful christians and the deeper altars can be the worst of satanic monsters imaginable a dr jekyll and mr hyde effect a great deal is at stake in maintaining the secrecy of the intelligence agencies or the occult group in which is controlling the slave so you can see where it's like a lot of source. Trust me, bro. You know, I made that well, homunculus. You got to trust me on that, Thomas. All right. I don't have the receipts because because my you see, my phone was dead that day. And what had happened was when it <laughs> fell, the camera cracked. And then when I've I tried actually to heard this exact excuse from you before, <laughs> I think the last time we were supposed to do this episode. So but I, I just want to I want to I want to put in here that this is the part which I think is factual. And this is probably the scariest part of all this is that it's not like Fritz made this aspect up, this concept of multiple personality and dissociative identity disorder. Like these are real things. They've been documented. They've been studied. Maybe if you're a Scientologist or Fritz Springmeier, you think that 
none of that's real and it's all you know satans and demons and stuff but this concept is extremely real and one of the the i guess the most sad aspects of it is from what i understand the legitimate research that's out there like a hundred percent of cases are the result of uh like a certain type of abuse it's not just like you you get born and it's not like autism right where someone's like oh did i drop them on the head or did i feed them like you know did i give them like a granola bar that had aspartame in it or something and now my kid won't make eye contact with me it's it's not that kind of thing it is like there is a very specific horrible thing that you can do and if you do it to a kid at a certain age then that results in a certain way that the mind protects itself and the, and this is real and this is something that i do believe that we found out in world war ii it i mean obviously horrible things have been going on since the dawn of time but in world war ii they systematically started doing this they like made a formula and they're like okay step one step two step three step four. Oh wow isn't that crazy when we do step four every time that we notice there's like a split personality it only happens after step four like it never happens on steps one through three and he's always Therefore, gay for some reason i don't know why <laughs> but it, i mean honestly that's the scariest part and the realest part of this is that if you if you pretend like you never even heard of Spritz Spring, uh, Fritz Springmeyer and you just look into like industry accepted, you know, Rockefeller medicine accepted standard writings on multiple personality and dissociative, you know, DID, that is like the number one source is from this very particular type of abuse, which is nuts. And the fact that that's what all of this program, like this book is centered on this particular type of programming. Um, I feel like it's real. Like this is the factual part of it. Oh, I did it for some for 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 a second. I I didn't know what you meant by the woodpecker grid cages, and now I do. I just read it. Uh, I had it highlighted. Picture. I had it highlighted. Actually, yikes! Yeah, this is the woodpecker grid right here. Yeah, and the reason they call it the woodpecker not... grid. First of all, there's a bunch of. Imagine you go into like a kennel where there's like a bunch of dogs, right? Like a dog kennel. So before you say that, Thomas, because remember, I asked you earlier, like, what are the specifics of like how is this such a big like operation well the initial splits and initial programming done at china lake california and then he goes here monarch mind control was carried out in large airplane hangars on base which have been able to house thousands of tiny cages just large enough for human babies so lots of 1000 babies was a small batch according to people who worked in the hangars helping program many batches were 2000 or 3000 babies according to people that worked in the hangar what, what, where's the footnote? Does he does he not mention no, those people's names? Though? He doesn't. Oh, that's a shame. So this, so yeah, so inside one of those hangars, he also makes a claim that it happens in uh, deep underground military bases too. I believe there's another like underground. The Denver airport might be one of these, but the woodpecker grid I think falls in the category of embellishment. But there's truth behind it. So here's the concept, and you see all these little clicking noises. So each one of these, the, the walls from, from the ground to the floor are metal cages, and they put little kids in the cages. And the reason why they're making this clicking noise is because they have an electrical current running through these cages. Now, it's not all the time because they're not just electrocuting you, but what happens is just for like a fraction of a second, you just get tased, right? Imagine if there was someone behind you right now with a, tas a taser, and then like, it's not like every 30 seconds they tase you because what would happen after a few hours of that 
you would just unconsciously start to be like predicting that you're about to get tased again and you'd flinch up a little bit and kind of prepare yourself if it were happening regularly right but if it were completely random if someone just like tased you like now and then five seconds later and then they waited four and a half hours and then they did it again like right when you thought it was safe and it was all over and it's like and you get hit again that's what these cages are doing and what they're they're doing is making it so that your body can no longer predict the trauma that it's going through so it can't prepare itself and what that does is at a certain point you just break your mind and your soul breaks it gives up because it says i can no longer predict when i need to protect myself so what's the point like if if it's going to happen it's going to happen so just let it happen and that's kind of what this woodpecker grid is doing is it's saying like submit to the chaos of the universe you can't predict it you can't control it just submit to it and once they submit to it there's just like this look in the eye right and and this is that final step of the shattering according to the 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 springmire rituals that you get love bombed then you get put into this cage so there's the hot and cold right you go from being love bombed and everyone is taking care of you and you're safe to now you're not safe at all you can't predict it it's just absolutely unpredictable and then the person that's been love bombing you shows up all of a sudden you're there to save you they're the savior right and then right at that moment when you're like thank god you know my my authority figure is here to save me that's when they do the worst possible thing you could imagine and that's the moment of like oh my god you know you're here to save me oh my god you just did the worst thing this is worse than the woodpecker shit yeah so that moment is the fracturing so think about what that worst thing could be that they could possibly do to that so and and the reality to this because if the woodpecker grid and having you know three thousand kids in cages and an airplane hangar, so real quick thomas to add to add a little bit onto that these cages are called the woodpecker grids the victim sees a flash of light when the dc voltage is applied later this flash of light is used with hypnotic induction to make the person think that they are going into another dimension when they are blasted with high voltage in the Peter Pan programming, the programmers tell the slave that he is riding the light. And then, yeah, that that thing that they do also. One of the popular traumas that they do, which I'm not going to say it, but... And yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, also, ride the lightning Metallica. Maybe there's a reference in there. Oh, yikes. But I, I was just going to say that that's that um, sort of like breaking. I think... This is the embellished version of 3,000 cages and deep underground military bases and hangars and all this. But the real version of this is that uh, there was research by Dr. Jolly West in MKUltra. And he basically said the best way, the most reliable way to break down the human is just nothing more than sleep deprivation. If I can just make it so that every time I see you nodding off, I run into the room and I wake you up and I flick the lights on and I tase you and I just keep you up for like a week straight. And don't ever let you fall into a circadian rhythm where your body can like go back into REM and repair itself and wake back up. If I break that and make sure it stays broken, the exact same thing happens. You're at a certain point, your brain goes, I guess I'm just never going to sleep again. Cause every time I think I'm about to get some sleep, someone wakes me up and then I can't go back to sleep. So it happens on a physiological level, not like an mm-hmm. emotional level. Like your actual body is like, Oh, well, I guess I'll just throw in a towel and just, deal with whatever happens so in my mind that's what the woodpecker grid represents it's representing maybe like a more realistic version of sleep deprivation 
mixed in with like instead of just waking you up it's a little bit more of a rude awakening but you could see where it like there's based in real research from real cia projects mm. but they could still be a real thing maybe i mean yeah it was epstein a real thing yeah he was fuck that guy that guy's a piece of shit hope he's burning in hell so yeah, i hope he dies i hope he dies again yeah me too <laughs> Uh, the so we have here, and this is again one of the things that turned me off about it. We have he's giving like specifics or where these places are at, and we're just in the intro. We're not even chapter one yet. We're people. not. Yeah, this is we're in the we're in the, the the preface. This is still like towards the beginning of the book. All right. So the worked although he did fly every so often. West Coast would meet other programs. Doctor Blue was another of the important leading Illuminati programmers. These top programmers supervise other lesser programmers. If something went wrong, they might fly a child from a programming location to a specialist to get it special help for its programming. The men and women of the Illuminati help the top programmers out. The grandmothers, the grandmasters of the Illuminati participate in helping the with the programming. So he's got. It almost feels like he's programming you while reading this book. He's like programmer, 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 programming programmers. Programming. Let's see how many times the word programming is in this. <laughs> programming. Should we have put a, uh, like when we started, like, you know, warning if you are an MK Ultra Illuminati mind control slave, like, do not watch. You might, you might be triggered. 1204 times the word programming is in this book. And then, pro I mean, that's not a big deal. I read programming books all the time. 100, program 177. All right. So. Or no, the word program is in here. Twenty five hundred. <laughs> well, that's program. It also is mixed in there with programming, mm. programmer, programmed, programmers. Pro. So it feels like you're getting programmed as you're reading this damn thing. So uh, it's almost like a uh, maybe there's a hidden code within this book, bro. Of like read between the lines type of thing. Like if you know, you know. What do you think about that? I think asking those kind of questions can get you thrown in jail for armed robbery. Oh, man. All right. So, yikes. That's uh, where you fly too close to the sun. I like yeah, it. That's basically it. Yeah. All right. So, we have... We, I want to I touch on this here. So, we're talking about the rituals and stuff like that. He goes... And this is where it gets again. This is where we cross over into like the occult esoteric because he goes understanding the rituals and trauma. Illuminati rituals are based upon the most ancient mystery religions. The Rothschilds like like the ancient Canaanite mystery religions and use Akkadian, Hittite, Canaanite, Babylonian rituals. All of them. He just like comped all of them together like Akkadian, Hittite, Canaanite, Babylonian rituals. Well, when you say Canaanite, that's kind of redundant with all those other things because the Canaanite was sort of built on the top of some of those. Like it was, you know, yeah. in that region, it was all Babylonian and Hittites and Akkadians and Sumerians. And then that turns into the, the Canaanites. I prefer Phoenician because when you say Phoenician, it's like all of that stuff, like after it like gets bundled up with like a nice little bow on it. Phoenician. So he clumps all those up and he goes, the rituals from ancient Egypt are also heavily used by the Illuminati, the Collins Sinclair type Illuminati bloodlines, and some of the other Illuminati families with a Northern European Celtic or Celtic background 
are very much into Druid rituals. Understand that historically the Druids gave up paganism for the truth of Christ, but that now neo-paganism would have people return to what the Celtic leadership gave up about 2,000 years ago. And then he goes, the drawings below, and I'll show them here in a second, were done by participants in high-level satanic ritual. The one participant drew several pictures of hearts which her coven placed into jars. Some illustrations from the Egyptian Book of the Dead are included to show that the rituals of keeping hearts in a jar straight from the Egyptian, <laughs> Egyptian Book of the Dead. The heart was placed in a jar for the weighing, for weighing it for judgment. The twin mirror image goddess Mat at times stands beside the scales, and at the same time, Ma is also plays onto the one side of the scale. This is similar to Christ judging a person while also being the standard against which a person is judged against. We have here in the papyrus of Kiana, the head of Anubis is on the beam and the ape wearing a disc, crescent, etc., etc. All right. So I'm going to show this. It's nothing bad. This, this reminds me of like finders territory too. When they talk about like hearts and jars and things, because that was part of the finders claims is that they, they, followed this uh van to like a warehouse and inside that warehouse were all sorts of organs inside of like mason jars and whatnot yeah yeah so we have uh, chapter three is the use of drugs so i mean oh, hold, hold on i got i got a couple notes on chapter two real small ones yeah so chapter two also mentioned some of this is like i'm just gonna repeat what the book said i don't have a whole lot of background on it i would love to go deeper on some of this Charles Manson and China Lake. So he makes his claim in chapter two. <laughs> Charles Manson, a programmed monarch slave, Hold on, received bro. the initial. Let me show you the the ritual stick. So, is so that I'm... is that Myrtle? N I don't know. I don't know. Is that like a... hand carved Amish wood? I don't know, <laughs> but it's used with permission of David Carrillo, minister in Indiana. So it's a ritual stick. All right. Sorry. What, what was David doing with the ritual? I don't know. Charles Manson, a program monarch slave, received his initial programming at China Lake. Uh, he lived with his cult 45 minutes northwest of China Lake at the remote Myers and Barker ranches, Scotty's Castle and Death Valley, Bakersfield, Edwards Air Force Base, and Papaludo's Store and Tavern with a secret underground programming center are all in the vicinity of China Lake and all been programming sites too. It has served them excellent stakes. The base headquarters is known as the White House and it looks somewhat like a yacht clubhouse. On the northwest end of the airfield at 3964 and 433 East, he's being very specific, the government has built a large magical seal of Solomon with each leg a quarter mile long on the ground. Now give, we've, give me that address, bro. This, I'm gonna look this up. He didn't have Google Maps. He didn't have Google Maps. We do. So I wonder if we could pull this up. What's the address? It's uh, thirty uh, at thirty nine sixty four, like thirty nine dash sixty four, and four dash thirty three east. And this is in uh, Death Valley, I guess. That's and California. It says magical Seal of Solomon. 39-64. Yeah, this is this is a or if you search like I guess 45 miles northwest of China Lake. Can you pull up China Lake? Are we doing some forensic? We doing legit forensic? Yeah, we have we have enhanced. to bro. 
China Lake. What do you want me to pull up? Uh, well, it says that it's 45 miles northwest of China Lake. So if you find China Lake on a map, and then we look at the little legend and roughly look 45 miles northwest, we should see a magical seal of Solomon if it's also the year 1990. <laughs> well, what what was the address? All right, what the? All right, so... Uh, that, again, the address, it says, which would be weird if it's still there, 39-60... Oh, I, I don't know why I just saw like a... It looks like a Freemason symbol at the top. Yeah, right here. <laughs> oh, my God, Illuminati confirmed. This is the Boeing China... Uh-oh. Boeing uh, China, which Boeing. they were on the list. This so, whole thing is all China Lake. But the, so 45 miles northwest of this. So, all right. So this is China Lake right here. 45 okay. northwest. So in, the, in the bottom right corner, right? There's 20 miles is what? Like, uh, so no, no. See so on the very, very bottom where it says 20 MI with the little line? Yeah. So two of those lines would be about 40 miles to the northwest. So, like, it looks like it's, like, around Olancha or even in the sequoia national forest and again it says the base headquarters known as the white house looks like a club yacht house northwest of the airfield at 3964 and 433 east oh you know what um it says on the quad maps so i wonder if he's got one of those maps where it's got like the uh the columns in the rows and there's one that's like 433 so this this right here is 14 miles and this is which direction is this do we have well that would be southwest so you know you want northwest and you want it to be about four times or three times that length but this is weird though right here look at that so that you want to go this way me killed bro where is no no no, north northwest so so up into the up into the left up into the left 45 there ain't man there ain't shit out here bro if anyone lives in this area if any if anyone actually lives in this underground illuminati mind control station <laughs> shoot us an email reach out, <laughs> email us let us know where the seal of solomon is apparently it's around here somewhere or i mean if google maps is in on it why would they show you the seal of solomon in their satellite imagery right yeah true true give me give me that give me that address one more time Again, it, it says 3964. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in our little chat. 39. Here. This is exactly what I copied out of it. Oh, wait. That was uh, 433 East. There we go. Let me try and find the... I'll, I'll mention the exact page what this is on, too, in case, in case it's of help for anyone watching this in the future. 3964... Star, uh, uh, seal of Solomon, China Lake. Let's see. Let's just let's just Google this. Let's just Google this. See if there's any. Because again, I want to. You know, th- these are crazy stuff that he's talking about. But of course, there's what does Snopes say about this? Does Snopes cover this? Nothing. Nothing. Solomon seal. No. No. But China seals controversial defense pact with Solomon Islands. I did a search and the number one result was this book. <laughs> what would you would you search? I searched for 3964 China Lake Seal of Solomon and the number one result was the Illuminati formula used to create an undetectable mind control slave. 
So, and it just says that it's a, a he- his large magical seal of Solomon is just a hexagram, which could have just been like any building at the time, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Fritz. I'm gonna have to. Call. I feel like Fritz might have just had a map like handy at the time he was writing this and was Peridolia. Like, oh, that's a that's a hexagram right there. We're gonna go ahead and add that in. If I've ever seen a darn hexagram, a satanic one at best, you know that that's what it would look like. But so anyway, that I found that incredibly interesting. He just like he's being very specific in yeah. chapter two about that, and then also in chapter two, uh, he mentions a guy named Lipo, and it says that. Lipo noticed the power of scents in ancient China. Alchemists studied scents very carefully. The case at Ludown, France, had nuns going into different disassociative states at the smell of different flowers. Cinnamon is a widespread scent used in programming deeper parts in a system. The smell of feces and urine is a trauma to a small caged child. So interestingly... They're saying that, like, if, if you were raised in a horrible situation, Juan, where, like, your parents threw you in a cage and you ended up just smelling your own piss and shit for days and days on end while you were just being neglected and abused, later on in life, you walk into a public restroom and that smell of, you know, urine punches you in the face. It could very much send you right back to that earlier trauma in your life. Mm-hmm. And, and what he's getting at here is that he doesn't mention this in this book, but this is very true that your sense of smell is the closest connection we have to memories. Your olfactory senses mm-hmm. are like a direct link. And that's why if like you're in church and someone walks by and they're wearing like a perfume and you're like, Oh my God, I haven't smelt that in 30 years. That was the perfume, you know, like my aunt so-and-so wore and like, you know, it definitively, it's not even like, Oh, I think it might be murky. It's not like one of those tip of your tongue things. It's like, Holy crap. I just remembered my aunt out of nowhere. So again, the, the olfactory sense. And he mentions that, um, that this smell contains an alpha switch, which is a scent element which triggers the mind sexually. Mariah knows how to use various scents and incenses, Mariah being the Illuminati. Astral magic uses various perfumes. So again, mm-hmm. I mentioned that analogy earlier on about like you go into the doctor's office for 14 years and you see your therapist and it smells like band-aids and alcohol, right? And you're like, why isn't this working? But then you walk into a church and you smell myrrh and frankincense and like all the, the, the interesting smells and sights. What it's doing is it's triggering you and putting you into a completely different state of mind. And again, this is the formula on how to do these things. So it's just telling you, like, if you want to put someone into a different state, burn some incense, right? Go in and you go into any tarot shop on the planet guarantee you you're gonna get like a a face full of patchouli or some other very specific scent and just like that right when at least me whenever i smell patchouli i'm like oh someone's got weed somewhere around here right Mm -hmm. or or someone's got a hacky sack guaranteed (laughs) yeah no the the idea of smells and sometimes sounds sounds too right like mute like certain song will take you back to a certain memory or but whatever. But it can change. A song can change in your mind over years. Like you might misremember yeah. like, "Oh, I didn't remember the hook going like that." And then you're like, "Mandela effect." Right? I just yeah, I just blame it on Mandela all the time. But scent doesn't have that, right? Like very rarely are you like, "Oh, that kind of smells like this thing that I remember from 20 years ago." No, bro, it's like, "Oh my god, that's this one smell." Oh my god, I just shit my pants. Smell. I know what that smells like. <laughs> 
I hope that there's a you've got a better indication before it hits the, the nostrils, bro. I just shit myself. I know exactly what that smells like, bro. I've been trying to find this airfield, bro, and I'm not seeing the magical seal of Solomon. I think I might have found it. Here we go. You might you might be searching for that for a while, man. Circle earthwork right here, bro. I don't know what this is, but it looks satanic. I mean, that's not. I mean, it's a it's a very curved hexagram. So there's only two airfields here. Okay, there's this one, right? And it's how can you not point out the Masonic compass in all of this? Well, I mean, he says northeast. So if if the northwest, so up until right? Oh, northwest of the airfield of the airfield. The government. All right, so the government is behind this. I mean, you should be able to find thirty nine sixty four. No, right? does. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't see that. Isn't there like a highway thirty nine sixty four or something? Thirty nine, thirty three nine five. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a very good chance that they changed the numbering uh, system when he the 90s when he and now. yeah when he published this book. Yeah, <laughs> he published it. They were like, oh, we got to change all the numbers. So he says northwest. So if this is which is which way is north? I mean, we'll check here. Which way is north? So north. All right. <laughs> oh, bro. Well, I mean, they're sorry. showing you a globe. Sorry, so sorry. I didn't. Oh man, they're gonna crucify me in the in the comments. All right. So northwest. So north. Yeah. West. Huh. Well, that now you're going east. No, no. I'm just scanning around. Yeah, sure you are. Uh oh, what's this here? When you say tannic. I don't know, bro. Can you, just, can you just search for satanic seal of Solomon? Bro, northwest would be that circle earthwork there. No, that's northeast, man. North. Never eat. Okay, yeah, my bad. I mean, I'd be surprised if it was still there. These all look like farm, like farmland. That's what they want that, you to think, That's a water bro. treatment plant right that's there. That's what they want you to think. It's, it's That's that's the smell of feces. That's a crop about, circle, bro. bro. <laughs> Anyways, all right, enough. You know what? Do a search for the the tavern. It's called Papaludos. I wonder if Papaludos is still around in that area. How do you spell it? Shout out to Papaludos, sponsor of this episode. How do you spell it? Papa L U D O. Papaludos store and tavern. And that's the one that had a secret underground programming center. So, and where is that? Kind of wild if it was still there. Where is that at? Where did you say that? It was in uh, that same area. China Lake? Yeah, China Lake area. Uh-oh. China Lake underground base. What is this? Oh, yeah, it's coming up with <laughs> with this book. Yeah, so, I mean, trust me, bro. <laughs> All right. Enough. Oh, this is a fake site. All right. Enough lollygagging. Let's get back to business. All right, where are we at? So, so chapter three. You were about to get into chapter three. Let me pull this up here real quick. And I know we're already we're already at three hours in. We're only at chapter three. We might have I to only, split it up, bro. We but, might, but, although I, I, I took my biggest notes for chapter three, seven, and ten. So I like if we go over those ones, we can do a part two and go into like the minutia of all the other stuff. Are there is there so, anything in chapter three that really stood out to you? No, because I mean again, so to, to recap what we've talked about at the beginning he sets everything up right he talks about how he gives you all like a, a lowdown pretty much and then he gets into breaking down exactly 
literally with details and everything of what they do to program these people, uh, the the barriers that they put between different uh, personalities and all these different stuff. And then in number three, he gets into the, the, the drugs. And I mean, he lists a bunch of different drugs that you can use, right? Like literally, I'm going to pull up here real quick, but literally lists. Look at this. A whole also bunch. all sponsors of this episode. No, they're not sponsors of this episode. But the, again, he goes and lists. Er, so first we have we have drugs for mind control. Then we have herbs. Right when a when the victim's body is saturated with all the drugs, they can uh, assimilate. They will receive herbs, which often have a drug effect. So ayahuasca's in there. You have rosemary. You have a brief history of the use, applications, and programming. So putting people into trance, etching altars to go deeper into trance to escape drug effects, enhancing the trauma, controlling. That one's instant. wild, bro. That that one basically says that you can program a certain altar to be immune to the psychological yes. effect of drugs. Not the physical effect. Like someone pumps you full of heroin, you'll probably still start nodding. But there might be a way that you can like mind like Jedi mind trick your way out of like an LSD trip, maybe. That's that's what he's putting forth there. Yeah, in this particular section, so putting people into trance, and they have teaching altars to go deeper into trance to escape drug effects and pain, enhancing the trauma, producing out-of-body experiences, helping create illusions such such as no hand, no feet, no face, no head. What? Teaching yeah, so altars. So if you're trying to escape pain. You can tell yourself, like, I don't even have a hand. Like, they can't be ripping my fingernails out because I don't even have a hand. And if, if you can convince yourself that you don't even have a hand, then you can convince yourself that that pain isn't real. And that's you disassociating yourself from that. So that's what that no head, no hand, no Like, it's basically saying, like, the pain that I'm feeling is, like, a, in my ghost limb. Just ignore it. My ghost dick, bro. That's the pain I'm feeling. <laughs> My ghost sack. So I have the rest of my notes on my on my phone. Let me pull them up here. But yeah, go ahead, because uh, that's that's well, pretty I, much. I got some some go spicy ones from chapter three. These are he actually cites a source for some of these. I tried for no small amount of time to find the source of this. So he says it's from a magazine called Freemasonry Universal, Volume Five. <laughs> from 1929 now i couldn't even find whether or not freemasonry universal was even a thing in the 1920s let alone all the way up to volume five but also it probably wasn't something that was mass produced and survived over a hundred years but he says this is wild man I've, I've really never heard this before a masonic magazine for higher masonic rights where sex magic is performed, entitled Freemasonry Universal, Volume 5, 1929, page 58. That is very specific. Page 58 states, Certain forces are sent through the candidate's body during ceremony, especially at the moment when he is created, received, and constituted as an entered apprentice Freemason. Certain parts of the lodge have been heavily charged with magnetic force especially in order that the candidate may absorb as much as possible of this force. The first object of this curious method of preparation is to expose the influence to this various parts of the body, which are especially used in the ceremony. 
In ancient Egypt, there was another reason for these preparations, for a weak current of physical electricity was sent through the candidate by means of a rod or a sword, which he was touched at in certain points. That's all it says, but the fact that it says that they touched the candidate with a rod or a sword at certain points and that this was a sex magic ritual, it sounds like they're fucking shocking their dicks. Go ahead and write, yeah, go ahead and write that down, 302. I already have dicks down. Uh, what? Repeat but that he's again? saying that in a magazine, I'm, I'm just, open your mind. It's 1929. My you mind is pretty open right now. Section, you open up the magazine, and it's like, in order to fully enter Freemasonry, you need to get cattle prodded on your dick. But read the section again. Read the section. In ancient Egypt, there was a reason for these preparations. A weak current of physical electricity was sent through the candidate by means of a rod or sword with which he was touched at certain points. Where do you get penis from that? Because it says that it's a Masonic magazine where sex magic is performed. So he's, he's explaining this ritual, and at no point in that ritual does he say anything about sex magic except for that yeah. a candidate is touched at certain points. And he doesn't elaborate on what those certain points are. Now, mm. there are... I don't want to get myself murdered here, but there are... If you just search for the points of masonry, there's, like, points on the body that are involved in rituals. None of them are the dick, <laughs> but the way that this one is written so anyways he he summarizes this and he says long story short masonic lodges have been using hypnotism and electric shock in their initiation rituals for a long time this combination of fear and hypnotism combined to seal the lips of an initiate in telling what some lodges are secret and criminal activity and then he said it goes into like banking and stuff like first he's talking about shocking your dick and then he's talking about <laughs> Uh, fear and hypnotism and then he says in 1919 the Illuminati created the Royal Institute of International Affairs with the Astor Illuminati family financial backers the Waldorf Astor um, or Waldorf Astor which is where we get the name Waldorf Astoria by the way that, that ritzy hotel Waldorf Astor was appointed um, the American equivalent to this company is the CFR so he's describing this original like roundtable group and that somehow it says, dude, again, this it gets wild. It says, um, late president of the Watchtower Society, there are two uh, examples of men selected for road scholarships. Bill Clinton went through this program. However, Franz decided not to go and uh, led C.T. Russell's cult as an oracle after President C.T. Russell was ritually killed on Halloween 1916 with his remains buried under a pyramid. He later served as president from 1977 to 1994 of the Watchtower Society, which is a front for Illuminati Enochian magic. Now, the Watchtower Society, I believe, <laughs> keep me honest here, isn't that like a more like a either a Mormon or a what's the other one? The ones that aren't allowed to go to carnivals or celebrate birthdays. Mormons or. So the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society of Pennsylvania is a not-for-profit blah 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 in Warwick, New York, founded Jehovah by Witness? Charles Taze Russell. Yeah, that, there you go. Which Charles Taze Russell was 
Yeah, he was the Christian. And this is he's saying Zionism. Basically, this is Christian Zionism. No, but this has another name, bro. The Pentecostal, right? But no, Bible study movement. <laughs> no, it's got another name, bro. Because I remember reading about the Jehovah Witnesses. Well, so 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 there's a little. So they Wikipedia. they adopted the name Jehovah Witnesses in 1931. There you go. Right there was there was like four breaks. Yeah. And they branched out in four ways, and Jehovah's Witnesses is just one of those branches. But the original one was Watchtower Society by this guy Charles Taze Russell, and that's who Fritz apparently just like he focuses and says this guy was part of the Illuminati and he helped usher in some of this programming. Well. Somehow. Well, here's the thing. Through Enochian magic. This guy in particular, I believe it was, again, it's related to Jack Parsons, but he predicted the date of the of the Antichrist being born. It had something to do with Charles Taze Russell, whatever his name was. Let me look that up real quick. Charles Taze Russell, Antichrist Parsons. Let me look that up real quick because he, Brother Russell, believe, oh, no, no. Brother Russell believed that the appearance of the Antichrist had begun in the first century, and the date that he had given was the date that Jack Parsons was born. <laughs> Yo, check this it's out. It's all connected, man. This is crazy, bro. What? Yes. And there's, there's also, in that same section in Chapter 3, there's this claim here, and it says that H.P. Blavatsky, uh, founder of Theosophical Society, um, that she was initiated by Mazzini into Carbonarism. And for anyone that doesn't know, they're, they're talking about um, Mazzini was part of the secret society called the Carbonari, which was like an Italian political movement, sort of like if oversimplified, but if like the French Revolution was like the French version, then the Italian version was Mazzini. And um, when, remember when I mentioned earlier on about the, the Palladium Rite? where he mm-hmm. was like, especially the Palladium, right? Well, the Palladium, right? This came from a book by Leo Taxel, where he basically just made up a bunch of stuff about Freemasons worshiping Baphomet as a way to make Freemasons look silly. But he also sold the story to the Vatican so that the Vatican would freak out and believe it and accuse the Freemasons of worshiping like it. And it worked. Like he got the, the like Freemasonry in the Vatican to kind of be at odds with each other. And then shows up. He gets summoned to the Vatican by the Pope. And then there in front of everybody, he's like, yeah, I kind of made it up to look, make you guys look like idiots. And here you are looking like idiots. Anyways, in 1996, in this book, he repeats something that Leo Taxel wrote in the 1800s. And he says that, um, initiated by Mazzini and the Carbonarism, a form of Freemasonry, illumined by the Great White Lodge in 1856... Um, and then he talks about going into the ancient Masonic rites of Memphis and Mizraim, which again, when he said 33 degree and higher, that's this, that's Memphis and Mizraim because Memphis and Mizraim go up to degree 99, I believe. Yeah. And there's a lot of good research that I personally believe that says that when the Bavarian Illuminati sort of fizzled out and like, I guess, died, quote unquote, really what happened is that all of those higher degrees of the Illuminati kind of got transferred over into the the cult of, of or the, you know the lodge of memphis and misrium and if anything is the most accurate like modern day version of all of those ancient illuminati rituals it might be in those quote-unquote higher 99 degrees interesting i've heard about that before that they go way up there 
But again, this is just different sects of uh, Freemasonry or whatever it is. And I know you're trying to do crowd control for them or, or damage control for them. So good on you, bro. But well, and then the, the one of the final notes of this, he says, Alice Bailey had a Lucis trust. Uh, Henry Steele Olcott. Elvis Presley was a monarch slave. And then did you did you see him showing throwing some shade at uh, Daddy? Manly P. Hall, yeah, I did see that. <laughs> Manly Palmer Hall was an Illuminati Theta programmer yeah. with at least Grandmaster within the Illuminati and sat on the Grand Druid Council. Now, none of that would surprise me if if Manly Palmer Hall's uh, what was the guy that you just interviewed that, that Ronnie Pontiac. So if if Ronnie Pontiac was like. Oh yeah, and by the way, uh, and, you know, Manly was also on this thing called the Grand Druid, you know, the Grand Druid Council. You'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, it sounds about right. So I mean, that doesn't sound mm. too salacious, but mm. the fact that he's mentioning like all these different names, and it's like, oh, and by the way, Manly Palmer Hall was an Illuminati Theta programmer. I wonder, like, does that mean that the CIA like summoned Manly Palmer Hall and was like, you have to learn how to do this? Did they call Manly Palmer Hall and say, teach us how to program, like? How does that work? And it would make sense because he went and studied and like, you know, was abroad, was abroad for his, uh, the secret teachings of all ages. Right. And would this count as like slander or something? Like if you're talking like, or is this freedom of speech? Like, how does this work? Cause saying a lot of big stuff and not really backing it up. Like, uh... if I was like, yo, Juan is on the grand Druid council. Could you like sue me for defamation or I don't know, but I mean, they, and, and one other thing, due too, process. Is he, keeps, he keeps saying Grand, Grand Druid Council, and then he made a specific point earlier of like, well, most of the Druids they eventually converted to Christianity, so like they ended up being a okay. It's like the ones that didn't, they're the bad guys. We, if you the look at history, yeah, if you look at history, there's actually a very specific reason on why the Druids converted to Christianity, and it wasn't because they just woke up and they were like, I felt jesus in my heart this morning yeah. family it was more like oh man everyone i know is is being tortured is and they're dead in front of me. Yeah. so let's let's go ahead and uh, yeah let's yeah. switch over yeah, yeah 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 no absolutely Torch. no no i like the mets no no i love the yeah the mets are great they're gonna win what was it the la dodgers which one did he call yeah. out in specific <laughs> <laughs> those fucking satanic la dodgers see like if if we were to actually to, to ever get fritz on and i hope we can like that's the kind of question i want to be like yo what is it about he's gonna the listen LA to dodgers this and not even answer our email bro <laughs> all right i hope not man I, I feel like we're given proper respect for everyone involved no I don't as know, respectful as, as it gets for us. This is a comedy podcast, bro. And an ominous coincidence, Charles Taze Russell, whose Russellites now call themselves the Jehovah's Witnesses, predicted the end of the world would happen October 2nd, 1914, the day of Jack John Parsons' birth, and just a couple of months after the start of World War One, when Russell announced his congregation in Brooklyn. Da-da. So you have Parsons, which probably wouldn't have known but he he had called himself the antichrist like towards the end of his life when he took the the oath of the abyss or the oath of the the born the bornless one and yes and you have charles Taze russell talking about you know the world ending on that day so it's just a weird coincidence uh so let's see here let me see what 
what chapter this is from. I might have skipped something that, that I found really interesting. This is from chapter two, I think, where... Ah, here we go. This is, this is something I skipped over. And... Let's see here. All right, right, right. right. This, is, this is, again, where he starts to mix, like, conspiracy with the occult, demonology, et cetera, et cetera. But he talks about the hidden observer. I don't know if you caught on that. Where uh, remind me of Dexter again, right? The the dark passenger. Yes. The term hidden observer is fraught with danger, though. A demonic entity called the hidden observer works hand in glove with the programmer to program the individual. The hidden observer is able to see everything the system does. The people who control as slave frequently call up the hidden observer to ask questions. In this case, it is a demonic entity, and yet it is this hidden observer which each system has and that some te- therapists are trying to access to understand the system. This hidden observer only tells the truth to its master because it is demonic. And then he goes into the, the term, the the core. But yeah, this, this idea of the hidden observer, and I'm like, this made me think of the the episode we did on the Liber Vecchi, where our boy, what's his, what was his name? The esotericist with the Liber Vecchi. You you don't remember his name? I mean, you're the homunculologist in the room. Golly, I'm I'm drawing a blank right now. But anyways, the guy that talked about how when you're creating a homunculus, you're creating an artificial oh, yeah. demon. Oh uh, yeah, Sim Sim Salabim. Yeah, you're creating an artificial demon, and now I need to know his name, bro. It's gonna bother me. Hold on. So you just, you just lost a lot of homunculus cred right now. Yeah, it's all good, bro. Like, there's so much stuff going on in my brain right now that. Anyways, this is a guy that talked about the idea of creating a homunculus. You're creating a, a artificial demon. And there was also the idea that when you're creating that God, demon, in front of me. I could have just looked it up. <laughs> that when you're creating that demon, or uh, when you're creating the homunculus, you are becoming that demon. So you are be you you are like sort of possessed, I guess. Here we go, Jabir. No, Hayan. No, no, it was the scholar, bro. It was the scholar that it was a real guy, like the. I mean, they're all real guys. Pingree, Pingree, David Pingree, oh. bro. There we go. He talked about like uh, the homunculus being an artificial demon, and then there was also this idea of you become a demonic entity while you're creating the homunculus. And this is what this reminded me of with this hidden observer that you can call upon, like almost like a like an, an immortal alchemist that comes to help you and aid you in your alchemical work. It's like, hey, you're doing a good job. Yeah, the programming is good, bro. And then he just pieces out this dimension. Like, like what's going on there, bro? Well, I don't know. I don't know if he pieces out. I think he stays there. And the way that I'm reading this is uh, like the word daemon, right? Like nerd out a little bit, but uh, on like a Linux operating system or, or POSIX system, you got these daemons and a daemon is like this process just always running in the background. Like a really common use of a daemon, for example, is something mm-hmm. that goes out and it reads a bunch of log files. So if you got a bunch of programs running on your computer, there's a daemon that's like, checking for the logs and looking for errors and bugs and anomalies and if something weird happens it'll take a note of it and let you know if you're running windows that might be like an error that pops up right or you got like your error event log a lot of that is the the effect of like a daemon this daemon is this background running process it's this 
hidden observer that's constantly analyzing everything going on in the system. And at any point, if you want to cut through all the noise, if you're like, you know, like my browser keeps crashing and, and Photoshop won't load, let me go and figure out what's going on. You're going to consult like the, the daemon services. You're going to look at your task manager and stuff. Um, and that's kind of what I see as this type of programming. When they say the hidden observer, this is like you hitting like control alt delete and go into your task manager and like, let's shut some of these programs down by like right clicking and, and doing like a force quit. That's, mm-hmm. I, that's the analogy that I've got when he's describing it that way. And I completely forgot on the rant that he goes on about Wizard of Oz, bro. <laughs> well, dude, that, that's where I'm queued up right now. I want- so real quick before we get there, he, so he talks about hypnosis, right? And again, this is a, this is a long book. Talks about hypnosis, how to use hypnosis, et cetera, et cetera. And then he starts talking about Alice in Wonderland, Alice following the white rabbit and how supposedly that is talking about unlocking these portals essentially in these altars in order to be able to access these like back walls, right? So the white rabbit is a programming figure for Alice in Wonderland programming who will allow you, who will allow you to go to otherwise inaccessible places for adventure. He represents the master. The white rabbit is an important figure to the slave. Right, Robert. The white rabbit gives a wafer, coke, sugar, cocaine to Alice and says, eat me or eat it and I'll take you through the door. Takes master into closed part of the system or perhaps over the rainbow. So he starts talking about all these different, bro, he's got numbers, got all this stuff. But yeah, go ahead with the Wizard of Oz. Well, and also in Alice in Wonderland is uh, there's a real... MK Ultra cited programming technique called Alice in Wonderland programming. Um, but I believe the premise isn't that like it, it's based on the book. It's more about convincing someone that like the impossible is possible and, and vice versa. Um, and, uh, and also in Alice in Wonderland, there's that scene where she, um, I don't remember it, like there's like cookies or like a drink, but one of them makes you very big and one of them makes you very small. And that's, again, describing disassociation. Like, if you can imagine yourself being 10 times the size of your house, and then you imagine yourself being, like, this tiny little bug on the floor, it's almost like going into a memory palace and doing, like, thought experiments. So it's a it's it's this initiation of, like, hey, we're about to disassociate. So, okay, Frank, <laughs> so Wizard of Oz, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to whip through some of these because, dude, I, I just want to read the entire chapter, but I'm not. So he says, Frank Baum, the man who wrote The Wizard of Oz, was a member of the Theosophical Society. Actually true, believe it or not. Yeah, I didn't know until I had read this and I looked further into it. Yeah, that's that part's kind of wild. And then it says, few who understand the Illuminati wonder if Baum wasn't an insider. And then he has a bunch of examples. And I'm just going to read my favorite examples instead of all the, the text around them. But he says, Annie M., represents Blavatsky's Mala Prakriti, um, which is this this unmanifested logos. There's a carnival huckster in The Wizard of Oz at the very beginning. The carnival huckster um, is the royal families of Europe, and the royal families of Europe are secret Satanists full of powerful occult bloodlines. Dorothy is brought to Oz by a cyclone. The word cyclone came from the Greek word cyclone, which... Uh, means both circle and coil of a snake. In other words, a snake takes Dorothy of Oz and Dorothy's three companions represent mental, emotional, and physical bodies that Helena Blavatsky wrote about. 
Dorothy acquired these three companions just as Theosophy says we will when we come into reincarnation. And those, uh, those three components are the Tin Woodsman, being of ordinary flesh, but a wicked witch cast a spell on him. He kept chopping off parts of his body, which were then replaced by a tinsmith until he becomes the first bionic man with a completely mechanical body. Boy, hasn't the Illuminati been trying to do this one? That one's wild, bro. <laughs> the, the Tin Man actually starts out as the woodsman, but he cuts off all of his arms and his legs, and he starts building himself back up in tin, almost like this ship of Theseus. This what? part isn't in the book. This is in the uh, the written version of The Wizard of Oz. Because, and another thing I didn't know until I read this, that there were so many books. I didn't know. In the was... world? No, no, no. So many books of uh, the Wizard of Oz. Like I didn't know that the series was like was like fifteen books, something like that. Yeah, and the the movie just focuses on like the first one, but it gets wild, bro. Like it keeps getting the the more you read into it, the way more like theosophical in nature it gets too. Interesting. Yeah, I did not know that. That 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 part's crazy, bro. Yeah. No. Here we go. In the Wizard of Oz mind control programming, the wicked witch and naughty children cannot stand water and dissolve. Robotic clones are created in the minds of monarch slaves, which can only be mentally dissolved by mentally placing water on them. Dorothy goes questioning in Oz. Theosophists go on quests. So they're basically, like, they're saying literally they'll create an altar that you can only destroy it by then telling the person to imagine, like, a glass of water pouring onto it. This is like a self-destruct altar. So, like, after the programming's been done... And you don't ever, ever want anyone to find out that altar existed. They just imagine it melting in their mind. And that actually, uh, it's, it's linked to this Wizard of Oz programming. And it also says, Oz is shaped like a mandala with Emerald City in the center, the impassable barrier, a four-sided of four symbolic colors and a circle. The colors and direction given in Oz have other symbolic meanings. For example, Emerald City is green. And green is the fourth point of the Eastern Star of Women's Freemasonry and Satan's color. I've never heard that before, by the way. That I didn't know that. Oh, well, you have a green background, color. so checks out. You uh, and okay. that the route that Dorothy follows in Oz is the shape of a T with three points defining an inverted triangle. So I think he's talking about the Tau cross, which mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier. That's that uh, the the snake on the pole, right? That Moses had, where he's like, "My magic is better than your magic," and then bam, all the other my magic is good magic. Yeah, yeah, I've got white witch, black witch, right? <laughs> A Wizard of Oz all over again, man. Theosophy, yeah. and then he says that the yellow brick road suggests gold, the perfect metal, gold being the divine source of wisdom. Uh, Blavatsky wrote, "There is a go- there is a road." steep and thorny beset with perils of every kind but yet a road leads to the very heart of the universe this was the yellow brick road that Baum sought to portray in his fairy tale he also mentions that the relationship between Dorothy and her dog is a subtle connection between satanic cult use of animals he's he's a I mean if you're watching Wizard of Oz and you're like I bet Dorothy's banging Toto I don't know if that's the movie or if that's you but (laughs) And also the like the the actual story behind that actor or actress, like it's pretty dark Judy too. Garland. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty dark too. So I again I wouldn't put it past them that they were but yeah, the, they she was like abused and, and given like all these different so again it's kind of 
it is kind of MK Ultra E there alone with just the actual actress, like the way she was treated and everything after the fact. And then a one one other note here, he mentions the ruby slippers, and he says that ruby colored slippers are a symbol of authority at the matriarch level in the Illuminati. The red shoes. So again, bro, like QAnon, Red Shoe Club, guess what, dude? This book's from 96, and, and Fritz was talking about the Red Shoe Club being at the, the top levels of the Illuminati way back when. Now, I don't, in my mind, I feel like the QAnon Red Shoe Club probably has its DNA in this book, mm-hmm. um, whether or not everybody knows it, or it's true, right? <laughs> like one of the two things is true, either this book was made up and influenced other books which were also kind of made up because this one was or there's legitimately an illuminati red shoe club that's involved in crazy stuff and that so many people have known about it and try to expose it that they're all coming out in different works but uh take that one as you will so i have here the most important programming script the lesser key One of the most important scripts for the Illuminati mind control programmers is the Lesser Key of Solomon, Goetia, the Book of Evil Spirits. The Illuminati doctors, green, black, white, and blue, that is Mengele, Wheeler, Cameron, and Mueller, were fully knowledgeable about the Lesser Key of Solomon, Goetia. In fact, all those who go beyond the initial levels in the Illuminati are required to study the entire book. It is an important ritual book. It is it is very out of fashion to believe in demons. <laughs> it is in fashion to believe in aliens. Uh-oh. In ghosts. In the shots inter- fired. Shots fired in the internal psychological wizard that guides you and other things, which to those high in demonology secretly know are simply covers for what is used to be called demons. Both the high-level Illuminati and the alert Christians are saying many of the same things concerning demons. Is magical phenomenon real? So I wanted to highlight that because it was... Shots fired on the on the idea of aliens. And then let me see here. Because he goes hard on the alien. I'm trying to find it. And, but yeah, he goes hard on that. Alice in Wonderland, the use of religious fronts. And then that's when he gets into Billy Graham and this whole, like, freaking... Lot. He was on that dude's ass, bro. bro. I, I, I <laughs> was, was like, so is this ever gonna end? He's just going, <laughs> he's just going on and on and on and on about Billy Graham being Satan and satanic and taking women home, knowing that he had a, a wife at home and all that stuff, right? Like all this stuff. I want to get to the. Did you skip over that part, the, the Billy Graham stuff? Because I did. I kind of did because I wanted to get in like he also goes on like Saturnian square yes uh, symbolism and like my my eye drifted more towards the Saturnian square than it did the Billy Graham so I want to he talked about the directed energy weapons simulating sodomy which I found the most interesting let's out of do all it that. bro let's do, let's just jump right into that one. yeah I want to find the part of the of the the idea of the aliens and it being uh, implanted memories. I have to find it anyways, but go on about that and I'll find it here. So, yes, I mean, I'm going to just cherry pick because my notes on the Saturn stuff is, is deep on this one, but he says that the word Saturn consistently turns up as an important word for the Illuminati and upper levels of the occult because Saturn's such an important concept. It'll be covered. And he, he goes so hard in the paint on Saturn. Here are the highlights. Um, 
he basically says that some call it star worship and the bull was worshipped because at the time the constellation Taurus marked the position of the sun at the time of the spring equinox. I don't think anyone's learning anything new on that one. The fact that the calf was gold was no accident. Gold had satanic connotations. Uh, trust me, bro. For a modern occult reference connecting <laughs> bull astrology and gold together, see Esoteric Astrology by Alice Bailey, Lucius Trust, page 378. All right, so he, he he's bringing receipts on this claim. Various scholars have also written that the worship of Moloch was Saturn worship. And then he makes this claim, which I think is really interesting. The merging of Saturn, which represented severity, and Jupiter, which represented mildness, was the creation of a new golden age, according to high-level satanic teachings. The Earth has been caught between a bipolar war, the inner solar logos and the outer Saturnian sphere, and that trans-Saturnian planets actually belong to Alcelhone, uh, which has treated us as good aliens from the Pleiades. This is where like my mind starts checking out a little bit when you start like, and these yeah. aliens are from this star system, and then yeah. the reptilians from the Draco star system, and only because the way that it's like so matter-of-factly stated. But when he's when he's talking about good aliens from the Pleiades, um, I think that there might be some mythology in here too, because we're talking Jupiter, we're talking uh, Saturn, and the Pleiades is also like an astronomical thing, not just mythology. So, and then he, he just keeps talking about grandmasters, secret high level teachings um, that's all about this Saturnian uh, mystery. And then he finally says the term morning star, also known as Stella Modatina in Latin, is another name for Lucifer. Um, it's also the name for Kabbalistic Black Magic Lodge, which Satanist Aleister Crowley led when the Golden Dawn reorganized in 1903. I had never heard that before either. Or repeat his, that first part again. He said that uh, it was called Stella Matatina. M-A-T-U. Yeah, I've heard Stella before with Crowley. Stella Matatina was the name of a Kabbalistic black magic lodge yeah. where Alistair Crowley led the Golden Dawn reorganized in 1903. Yeah, I've I've, I've heard of Stella before. Yeah, I'm not not a lot. So again, bro, you were talking. Uh, what was it? Um, uh, genuflect, mm-hmm. like. 1996 the dude's writing about how it's all about saturn worship and that that's how like the illuminati is going to to change culture is going to be through merging all these different pagan gods through this this new saturn worship and uh you know 96 bro this was like cutting edge this is you know this this was like uh the height of conspiracy theory trauma-based programming theories mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i have here the the spin principle. I don't know if you, if you took some notes on this, but I found this really interesting because we have the spin, a network. One of their buzzwords is many, many times more greater than the sum of its parts. The New Age author, Marilyn Fritt, does an excellent job describing how the conspiracy spin network functions. He goes, this is a source of power never before tapped in history. Multiple self-sufficient social movements link for a whole array of goals whose accomplishment would transform every aspect of the contemporary life because spins are so qualitative, qualitatively different in organization and impact from bureaucracies. Most people don't see them or think they are conspiracies. Often networks take similar action without conferring with each other simply because they share so many assumptions. 
It may also be said that they that the shared assumptions are the collusion, quote, the Aquarian conspiracy is in effect a spin of spins, a network of many networks aimed at social transformation. So again, this idea that the conspiracy realm is like compromised and it's actually like part of like the psyop. Well, Fritz is saying that this is some MK Ultra Illuminati mind control <laughs> slave shit, right? So we have the Aquarian conspiracy is indeed loose, segmented, evolutionary, redundant. Its center is everywhere, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then he goes here, bro. And this is where it gets this is where it gets good because the programming the programmers enjoy setting up double binds. One of their tricks is to create altars which are given negative spiritual roles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then he goes on to say standard roles within an Illuminati monarch slave. Note that depending upon what the system's occupation is in life is also determines some of the types of altars created. If the system is a politician, they will need special altars to deal with certain secret activities. If the system is a baseball pitcher, they will need altars that are trained to pitch. And check this out. So standard roles within an Illuminati monarch slave. Alien altars for contact, bonding with aliens, and acceptance of mock alien invasions. <laughs> so he's talking about alien altars for contact, bonding with alien with aliens, and acceptance of mock uh, invasions. So again, I don't know that he goes on to say angel, angry altars, animal well, but, altars. But think about the home. Just, I'm in a practical sense, right? Let's say that you go out and you know the concept of like a sleeper cell, right? Or like a Manchurian candidate. It's, I it's where like you Tom train Clancy's someone. Sleeper cell, but I don't know what that is. <laughs> okay. Also, like a sleeper cell is um like like you know that you're gonna get called to to like activate at some point, right? It's, uh there was a show called The Americans with Carrie Russell and someone else in it. Basically, like they they are part of the Soviet intelligence. They move over to America, they live here in America as Americans. And they're just waiting for the call the one day that's like, okay, now go and wreck things. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. That's a sleeper cell. It's like you've been trained to do a thing and you just pretend like you're a normal person. And then the second that command comes in, you activate. Execute um, order 66. And then they all do the thing. But that's what he's talking about is, is this concept of a sleeper cell. But imagine if the sleeper cell was you program a whole bunch of people that don't realize it about like an alien experience so like i i program one to remember that time he got probed by aliens with this false memory syndrome implanting right and i do that to like thousands of other people so then when you hit a button and it's like project blue beam aliens just came down there's this big hologram in the sky over the white house and there's been you know twenty thousand reports overnight of people that have been probed by aliens and then you think okay the hologram maybe I don't believe, but how did just 20,000 people across the country all, all of a sudden come up with like these stories that all sound the same if they don't know each other and they didn't coordinate it. How could that even happen? Well, maybe there's like a sleeper cell thing going on. Maybe uh -oh. you, were, you were MK ultra programmed when you were seven, when your parents dropped you off at the McMartin preschool daycare. And now when you're like, you know, 35 or whatever, you remember being abducted by aliens mm -hmm. and you know the ronald mcdonald was there and you're helping bring forth this this narrative about aliens and then after that he talks about a whole bunch of different altars 
Uh, some of my favorite ones are the right the Christian front altars, <laughs> the clones. The clones are little children who have been put in ro- into robot costumes and are trained to attack parts of the system which are not in compliance with the programming. The heads of the clo- clones can be unscrewed. The clones can be taken out by various tactics, tactics, but there are hundreds of clones and they each have their have been numbered. And then so he's talking about clones. Then he gets into deltas and one of my favorite. So deltas are altars trained to carry out special missions resulting in death. So like the self-destruction type of thing. Right. And, and assassinations and assassinations. And my favorite one was. Let's see here. Was I think the was it the Egyptian armies? Oh yeah, the Egyptian <laughs> the the Egyptian armies, bro. All right, the Egyptian armies are hundreds of fragments which have been programmed to have uniform uniforms to function as part of an army. The main gods or spirits of Egyptian magic may be the names of the captains of the armies, such as the following name: Isis, Osiris, Horus, Set, and Ra. Thoth can be another name and the temple is set altars with Egyptian names abound and aren't restricted to fragment armies. The armies are built to protect various internal structures. The technique to make these armies are to torment the victim child in such a way that they make the, uh, uh, no, not that one. That wasn't it. Oh no, no, it is it. It is it. So the technique to make these, these armies are to torment the victim child in such a way that they make the child very angry. At the peak of the child's rage, they split the mind. The and this is I was like listening to I'm like, what is this? The result is lots of child altar fragments which are angry. These are collected and shaped into an angry army of little children. When an adult monarch slave triggers a protective army, the adult altar finds himself with angry children altars who are like a large crowd of toddlers who are screaming their heads off. There is no way to reason with these child fragments. Imagine trying to reason with a little two-year-old who is screaming. Without any way to reason with them, the adult altar has little defense against such an army. What? Do you think Fritz like what? was uh, just had a kid and he like keeps waking him up in the middle of the night and he's like, "This has got to be how the Illuminati does it. They just they they shatter it and they make it so there's twenty of these kids waking you up all the time." But. Do you understand how LA wild Dodgers that sounds? <laughs> yeah, fuck the LA Dodgers. Like, how crazy does this sound, bro? Like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, that sounds crazy. That sounds absurd. But it's not. Because if you look at it in a more practical NLP anchoring sense, really all you're just saying is you're setting a anchor and a trigger so that the anchor is the second I can get Juan so mad that he becomes irrational you know, I play a certain sound or like, you know, when he sees the lizard in the fireplace, I slap him across the face. So then later when I want to like bring that emotion back out, I just trigger it. And when I do that, you're going to be so overwhelmed with emotion that you won't be able to think rationally. Now Fritz is painting this as, you know, like 30,000 screaming (laughs) toddlers. That's what I, that's what I picture in my mind. Like the swarm of like little angry babies just like coming towards you. Like, well, I, I, when I hear that, I think like, could you beat up a a giant duck or 30 miniature horses or something? You know what I mean? Would you, Thomas, would you defend yourself (laughs) against this Egyptian army? Like, would you punch the baby? Would you punt the baby? Like, well, would you slap the baby? 
Like I there's think no you'd be reasoning. Overwhelmed. That's the point is that you'd be overwhelmed because you you would feel like there was an army oh, these babies. That you were against. Ah, <laughs> ah. And you just like shrivel up and just like where's this black mirror episode yeah I, exactly right like a homage to our our boy but again bro that's that's what i got so did we talk about the sodomy through he gets into like the use of directed energy weapons frequencies and then he gets into some patents too of the of like these weapons which again 1996 i'm sure the tech has advanced to a very, to a very high level since then, and I'm sure that they're it's able wi- to. It's wireless now, and it connects to your uh, your iPhone. So again, I believe that they were using this back then, and then he right talks about putting demons, some more of this demonology stuff like that. Well, what... Wait, can can we focus in on the uh, the directed energy weapons of sodomy? Go ahead, There's... bro. Go ahead. Well, I mean, you kind of glossed over it. What were your notes on it? Or was was it just the highlights? Yeah, just that. Let me pull it up here. It was just the... And I think you recorded a, a video uh, playing around with some of those. Did you want you want to cue that up? No, uh, no, I did not. So, the... I mean, David V. R- Reynolds Research, who wrote Neuroelectric Research, Electro-Neuroprothesis, Electro, et cetera, et cetera. Another way of using electricity for torture is to use directed energy, a new technology on men's genitals. With skillful use of directed energy, they can simulate a rape of a man or woman. Artificial sodomy via directed energy was first tested in male prisons. Elf waves will place thoughts into the men's minds as directed energy make them feel sodomized. Believe it or not, I actually... This is actually in one of my books. Bro. <laughs> so right here, a lot of people have heard of this top part um, called the Stimosiever by a guy named Dr. Jose Delgado. And he basically, um, there's this famous video footage where they've got a bull and the bull is charging him as if he's like a matador. And then he takes out a little remote control and he pushes a button and the bull stops in its tracks. Um, and basically what they were doing is they were just giving him an electroshock therapy wirelessly. And obviously it's going to distract you. It was almost just like tasing you. But here, look at the bottom. It says rumors of a similar project run by a Dr. Evor Browning involved triggering the pleasure center of a donkey via a radio frequency dubbed the electronic carrot. Uh, and the reason for that name is that if this were the stick, like, you know, electrocuting you so you feel pain, so you stop doing something. That's the stick. This is the carrot. Uh, so the electronic carrot was like, you did a good job. Now when I hit this button, it basically, like, shocks your prostate, uh, and you just get, like, an immediate orgasm, right? <laughs> so that's what they're talking about in this book. When he says directed energy weapons of sodomy, it's basically that electronic carrot or some other version of that where you can use technology to trigger uh basically like your your lower essence of self right like it'll it'll bypass all logic and reason and tap directly into your your sort of primal state yeah and when i read that i mean that's all i got on that but when i read that i was like bro and then because they had because when i was reading that the maui fires had just happened so i was like what imagine like just again just the possibilities are endless 
right? If you think about that. So what else you got? Uh, other than the electronic carrot, man, well, I, my next note's starting around chapter seven. Go so ahead. I don't know if you got anything, but okay. So in chapter seven, he starts talking about anchors and he even cites NLP by name. And he says, NLP researchers notice that people in emotional states in which the entire body will take up a posture in carrying it out. Memories can come to a person that cause the body to take up that negative state again. So NLP practitioners develop a language which includes terms like anchors, emotional state, and triggers. For instance, let's say you've got a particular song at a point in your life when you're having a good time, the emotional state. Now, every time you receive a trigger to that memory, such as that song, you regain that good feeling attached to the memory of the song. This is this is like NLP 101. If you're in a good mood, a good one is like, um, like I don't know when you got married, like you and your wife have like your song that like they play during the dance or whatever. Um, so so years later, every time that song comes on, it's like, oh honey, it's that's our song, and it puts you into I guess like a romantic or an amicable mood. That's a very direct example of what he's talking about here. That's an that's a classic NLP trigger through the the auditory system, right? We talked earlier about like the olfactory. You smell something, and it's like, oh my grandma used to wear that you know perfume or whatever so every different type of sense you've you've got can trigger the other ones um so he mentions that and then he also talks about reframing reframing with metaphors and he says the programmers you've used metaphors a form of druidism so first of all (laughs) that's kind of fucked that like the druids just own metaphors and if you use a metaphor at any point then you're tapping into like a satanic druid magical ritual. But he's kind of correct here because reframing and metaphors is literally as above, so below. That's what uh, a metaphor, uh, maybe I'll be a simile, but it's in the same neighborhood. Because if I say that, you know, like an apple to an orange is as to a cat is to a, and what would you say? Failed. It's a dog. But but you're you're basically saying like okay I can compare two different things in one class and two different things in another class. We talked about this with Manly Palmer Hall's Occult Anatomy of Man. Mm. He describes it as the seven seals. And then if you read the Bible as if it were historical and you understand it, well, good job. You broke one seal, but you got six to go. So then you got to read it like it was about anatomy, and then you got to read about it like it was about music. And every one of those times you read it, if you understood it in one angle then you should be able to understand it in every other angle. And that's exactly what he's talking about with metaphors and Druidism. In NLP terms, they call it reframing. And one of my uh, practical examples of this, I think I've mentioned this before on the show, but when I used to work at Disney and I'd have to drive into that traffic every day, like sometimes it was like three hours in traffic one way to either get to work or to get home from work. And you can imagine on I-4 in Orlando in three hours of traffic, sometimes like, you know, you get a little bit irritated and frustrated with the cars around you. And it was getting to the point where I would park my car either at home or at work. And I would literally have white knuckles from just like gripping the steering wheel from getting just like frustrated with, you know, the the cars going slow or trying to get into my lane. And I I was going through NLP at this time. And I was like, let me try this reframing thing. And what I came up with was that every time I get irritated in traffic, I'd imagine I'm on my way to a family reunion and that the person that just cut me off was my grandpa and that the guy that keeps like 
almost bumping into me in my lane. You know what I mean? Like that's my cousin or whatever. So that way I wasn't getting angry at people be like, Oh, grandpa, you know what I mean? Like someone should take your license away one of these days (laughs) and then just like ease back and don't get on his ass so much. And obviously when you get home, it's like, I didn't expect to show up at a family reunion, but I did show up and like, I was in a regular normal mood and it's not like I was going to get there any faster or slower Mm -hmm. by just switching my mind. So there's an example of reframing as above, so below. But he says that this is satanic druidism. I can I can see that, and even visualization how that could be considered like satanic or or evil or something. You, know, you visualize things, you you man you manifest things. I've heard that before, so I can see that. Also, nothing alters alters who believe they are nobody or Mister Nobody or or no name. <laughs> so he and he's got. Um, this is my last note for chapter seven. He has a story. A very old Chinese Taoist describes a farmer in a poor country village. He was considered well-to-do because he owned a horse, which he owned for plowing and transportation. But one day his horse ran away. All the neighbors exclaimed how terrible this was. But the farmer said, maybe. A few days later, the horse returned and brought with it two wild horses. The neighbors rejoiced in his good fortune. But the farmer just said, "Um, maybe. The next day, the farmer's son tried to ride one of the new wild horses, but the horse threw him and broke the leg. The neighbors all offered their sympathy for his misfortune, but again the farmer said maybe. The next week, the conscription officers came to the village to take all the young men for the army, but they rejected the farmer's son because of his broken leg. When the neighbors told him how lucky he was, the farmer again said maybe. So again, this is this guy saying maybe you imagine the tarot card and the wheel of fortune right the wheel of fortune are people being like look how lucky you are oh look how unlucky you are oh wait look how lucky you are again but the the spoke the guy that's in the middle he's the one that's always saying maybe because they don't go with the highs and the lows they're not riding the wheel of fortune they're stuck at the middle where it's always the same like you see that everything's changing but you're not getting the highs and lows right you don't get happy and sad because you're just like this is just how things work um, so this this is he's describing in Fritz's world if you can get someone to act as that maybe person where it's like oh man they just chopped off my hand how horrible uh, maybe you know may, maybe there's a good part to this because <laughs> the guy next to me like he didn't just lose a hand you know so I think that's why he brings up this NLP in this section is talking about that's part of the like being able to disassociate is getting into that state where it's like nothing is good or bad. Everything is a checkerboard floor. Yeah. And I think that that is also right. Like this sort of like mind over matter type of thing, which exactly the, the, the no head, no hand, no foot thing that you were like, what the fuck is that? So that, that sort of thing you can actually take and and have like real world application because something like for me, whenever I'm cold somewhere, or like right now where I got to take a piss, right? I, I try to like di- disassociate kind of sort of to not think about that one thing that's causing you discomfort until you get through it. You kind of like grind it out type of thing. Like when you're at work and you're just like, uh, oh, uh, you know, I have four hours left. Well, that's one hour, four times. And then one hour is, is actually 30 minutes twice and 30 minutes. Well, that, that's compartmentalization. <laughs> but it's, it's in the same category of just like, convincing yourself to think about the same thing in a different way Mm -hmm. to make it feel different but nothing actually changes except for 
the way that you're programming it to yourself. Exactly. So, I mean, I've, I've even used that before. So what else you got, bro? Uh, chapter 10, he talks about monarch programming. He says the Disney family and the Disney corporation <laughs> are part of the occult world. Shout out occult Disney uh, podcast. The names dopey, happy, bashful, sleepy, grumpy, sneezy doc. They sound like names picked to please children, but they're actually, if you, if you love truth, and you subscribe <laughs> to both of our Patreons, you'll know that those are actually the translation from Scandinavian demonic dwarves. First of all, I don't know if the Scandinavians consider dwarves uh, satanic or demonic, but anyways, that dopey, happy, bashful, sleepy, grumpy are actually the dwarves Toki, Skaver, Var, Dun, Orin, Greer, and Rodsvid. Um, which I don't know if I agree with that one, but I just thought it was interesting because again, 1996 talking about Walt Disney and Monarch programming, uh, this might be like the source of a lot of the things that we hear about. Now, if you go on YouTube and you search Disney programming or Disney Monarch, right? Almost everyone has found or, or brushed up against this topic at some point, but how many people in 1996, do you think we're talking about Disney and Monarch programming? It had to be a really, really small group of people. A fringe group of people, yeah. And then he also, in Chapter 10, my last note is on the Philosopher's Stone, and he says that gold has been long called the Medal of Wisdom by the Illuminati. I don't I don't think I've ever read that before. Uh, there wasn't a footnote where he cited Source, this. trust me, bro. Yeah. Illuminati are well aware of the alchemical quest to create the correct type of gold to bring enlightenment to the world. Rabbis who know the Kabbalah <laughs> okay, uh, have considered the secret of white powdered gold as the greatest secret of all times. Somehow the Egyptian pharaohs learned the secret of how to make white powdered gold, which seen up close is transparent, like the gold described in the Bible making up streets in heaven. This gold is monoatomic, molecules that have a high spin state, and it looks like baking flour. It enhances the pineal gland, trust me, bro, and a similar substance of iridium greatly enhances the pituitary gland, also trust me, bro. Yellow, yellow gold and gold salts cause the hair to fall out, but white gold is safe to ingest. I actually have heard that aspect before, and I think there's uh, that's legit, that if you like coat yourself in like gold plating, like you can actually cause your hair to fall out. Like It's not a safe, healthy thing to do, but then there's also gold that is safe to consume yes yeah i've heard that before they were eating mummies too okay and now now here's where it gets <laughs> okay after ingesting white gold for over nine months the subject will become extremely psychic and disease free uh if that seems like something youtube would dig you for the person hold on hold on body... say, say that again it says, after ingesting white gold for nine months, a subject will become psychic and disease-free. All right, let me take that time stamp down. Yeah, I think the that person's would, that would body something. will also glow. Whether the Illuminati discovered this white gold and have been using it secretly when their adepts went into hiding for months of long training, or whether they were only playing with substitutes, we cannot say. So he's... He's not ready to venture out on that particular <laughs> thing. Like all of the other, you know, well, programming and torture. And it sounds like to me like that, that kind of fits in with like the magnum opus. Cause they talk about the alchemists, like losing all their hair and like going through like this actual, like 
biological transformation. And he's talking about eating the white gold. Well, the white gold also sounds like silver, right? So almost like a, like a silver poisoning or something or mercurial because mercury is also silver. So maybe they're just talking about colors now. Anything that's a color. Yeah. Part of it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, the colors are also very important when it comes to the alchemical process and the magnum opus, the blackening, the whitening, the reddening, the yellowing. So all of that. The gold. And then he starts talking about the Priory Day Scion and the Holy Blood, Holy Grail. And then he says that the reason that the priest glowed when he came out of the Holy of Holies after eating the showbread was because the showbread was made with this white gold, apparently. Interesting. And then it says, David Hudson told co-author Fritz that he was supportive of the Kabbalistic goal of Adam Kadman because Hudson knew the Kabbalah very well, and it seems he understood what Adam Kadman was really all about. I don't know what the hell that means, but it was also a very interesting aspect where like he, Fritz doesn't often in this book say, this person told me yeah. about this thing. So apparently he's he also really did believe in this version of an alchemical gold, but that alchemical gold wasn't for riches. It was something that that helped the individual, but yeah. it also wasn't like enlightenment or knowledge. It wasn't like a vague thing. It was an actual drug that you would put into your food and you would eat it, and that eating it would cause you to gain all this knowledge and to be disease free. Interesting. Again, very alchemical, and I, and I that kind of sort of aligns with my research as well into alchemy so i don't know they were drinking mercury to try to live forever bro i'm probably going to censor that too because <laughs> well shout out to our sponsors white gold if you uh snort a few lines of white gold uh you will become enlightened all right let's go ahead and block that out too and the people on youtube are going to be probably wondering what that what that whole bleeping i was all about but adrenochrome and <laughs> check out the check out the patreon and all that stuff uh, you want to wrap us up, bro? You done with your notes or what? Because I'm I'm done with my notes. And it's... yeah, I mean, uh, satanic ritual abuse, adrenochrome, snort white gold, and ivermectin. I uh, that's a new one right there, ivermectin. Iver. <laughs> it's gonna be very so, interesting. I do, I have, I've got one other example again from Time Samplers issue three. Get them all. Don't don't just get issue three. Yeah, don't get be a bitch. Get them all. But here's another example of, of an altar, and this is probably one of my favorite versions of it, is that there's a kid that's, like, slaying a dragon, see? I mean, like, what <laughs> what little kid growing up hasn't at one point grabbed, like, a cardboard roll or, you know, uh, some sort of a, a device and pretended they've got a sword and they're going to, like, slay some sort of a monster? So if you were to actually do that to this kid in one of these Project Monarch programmings, and you you snap them into like okay you're gonna be knights templar mode right like put on your helmet put here's your sword and little kids are great at role playing right the second mm -hmm. you get put that sword in their hand like they're slaying dragons immediately just like when i came out of three ninjas in the movie theater i would be a ninja for the next <laughs> week until like you break something or like a jet lee movie you'd be fucking yeah, dude, jet like, lee all week like specifically kids right like like as an adult if you went and saw a jet Lu movie and then you came out and you tell your wife you're like hey i think maybe i'm gonna start doing you know karate it's like all right midlife crisis guy but as a kid it's kind of endearing and it's it's very normal to do that um but that exact concept of like going in seeing something and then wanting to become that thing is sort of where all of this stems from 
And where is the place that that happens the most often? I would go right back to Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, no, most definitely. So you have anything else you want to wrap up with, Thomas? You want to plug anything before we get out of here? It's been four hours. My eyes are burning. Time samplers, issue three, issue four, issue one. Uh, we got we got special editions that are coming out eventually. What else, man? I got, dude, I got this one's not even out. Oh yeah, this is an old version of Secret Mystery School. Here's the first OG version of Secret Mystery School. Shout out! This is uh, also issue three, where I said issue three is always my favorite comic. This was my favorite one of Secret Mystery School too. Uh, this is Bro, is, did you ever finish they, Lee's Demons? Like, is that ever coming out? That one's dope. They're not allowed to talk about that. Come on, why, well, what happened? No, no, I, no. It is, it is coming out. I actually, the there's only 20 more pages to do. 180 pages are done. 180. So it's going to be a six issue series. I'm going to release it an issue at a time, and then I'll release all of them together as a trade paperback, uh, just so I can milk every last little dime and penny <laughs> out of everybody. And then I'll release the gold edition, and then the platinum edition, and then the homunculus edition. Let's go. Uh, yeah, Lee's Demon's going to be coming out. Uh, I've got trading cards that'll be coming out uh, next year. Conspiracy cards. Sam Tripoli just announced Chaos Twins which is the book that I've been working on with him. I got a video game that's going to be on Steam in December called Lucifer Lives in Lower Manhattan. Uh, man, I got everything. ParanoidAmerican.com. You can follow whatever I just dropped. I'm dropping something every... And OccultDecode.com. Shout out. You pulled that up earlier. Mm-hmm. When we talk about these topics and Juan doesn't have the time to uh, edit out things like Adrenochrome and inject Ivermectin and, and drink bleach. Um, when he doesn't want to have time to edit all those annoying phrases out that'll get him demonetized and banned, like, uh, you know, snort adrenochrome, Hillary Clinton carved off a girl's face and called it frazzle drip, you would go to occultdeco.com. So when someone says something like uh, forced uh, homunculus work, Shut the fuck up, bro. <laughs> So, uh, final cap there. If you go to Total Decode and search for the term thrill oxide, it'll show you what we really mean next time when Juan doesn't have the time to censor out words like adrenochrome and ivermectin. Sometimes I don't care, bro. Welcome (laughs) to the YouTube crowd. It sucks, but hey, you got to do what you got to do. You got to play ball. You got to go where the people are at. So, that's why we're here. If you're listening to this on the RSS feed, on YouTube, on Rumble, Rockfin, wherever it is, who cares? Leave a leave a comment, leave a review, leave whatever helps the show out. And if you love the truth, you're gonna subscribe to the Patreons, Patreon.com/slash. You don't even have to love us; you just have to love the truth. The truth, yeah, even exactly. If you hate us, you yeah. have to love the truth, and then you gotta pay the Patreon. Patreon.com/slash the One on One Podcast. Patreon.com/slash Paranoid American. He's pumping out stuff. I'm pumping out stuff. We're all pumping out stuff. So make sure to check it out. TJOJP.com. Get your homunculus. We're pumping out these moon children. We're left pumping and right. out moon children left and right. So <laughs> Moon children. There's the next one. It's going to be moon children and Nephilim portal babies combined. <laughs> make sure to check that out. As always, everyone, don't be a piece of shit. Love each other. And don't read this book. Bye.
goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.